0: this is winnipeg sports talk daily with andrew hustler patterson and michael remus
1: hey what's going on everyone and welcome to another edition of winnipeg sports talk daily andrew patterson michael remus with you lots to get to today after a pretty disappointing loss last night to the detroit red wings for our winnipeg jets um but we will move on. No bones at the all-star game. I'll be straight. I'm really disappointed. Was disappointed in the way the team came out last night. Obviously very disappointed in the result. Um, and it's really unfortunate that a guy that has done so much that really deserved to have his first trip ever to an all-star game won't be there. That being said, we're at the halfway point in the season. There's lots to get to both on last night and the first half of the year. And we will do that with Murata Tesh. I know goaltending's been a topic as of late, which isn't that often the case around Winnipeg. Marty Barron's going to jump on, get a little uh his thoughts on where the Jets are right now, their first half of the season, and look ahead to tomorrow's game with the highest scoring team in the league, the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Great to have you with us. Bomber fans, be sure to stick around, though, a little later on. We will have a one-on-one a little off-season update from Kyle Walters, Bombers General Manager, and you're definitely going to want to hear this. So let's get to it. First things first, a big thanks to everyone jumping on the uh, stream today with us live on YouTube. And of course, everyone making us a part of their day on the podcast a little later on. And of course, we've got to give a big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club Whiskey, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, our friends over at Not, And we will be announcing a little later on today the December winner for our Unsung Hero program with Wallace and Wallace and Jets defenseman Josh Morrissey. But let's get right to it. Michael Remus joins me now. And Remo, that was, uh, you know, listen, it's, I guess if you had told me at the beginning of the season that I would be really bummed about a single loss to Detroit and the Jets would be three points out of first place at that midway point of the year with a game in hand on the Dallas Stars, that would be, I would have laughed if you had told me that. That being said, considering you know, what we talked about, what Rick Bonus has done so far, I know he didn't want to admit to it, but um, it was just disappointing all around. the way the team came out, the way they played, Connor Hellbuck had a rough night, and a very, very winnable game ended up being a zero in the points column, and uh, that has cost Rick Bonus a trip to the All-Star game. Yeah, that was a big story on the show yesterday, and now I'm
2: on the NHL.com website. The number two story among headlines: coaches for the 2023 NHL All Star Game revealed, and I um, don't
1: want to talk about it.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm like in pain, so That was like a playoff game. Like the level of emotion you felt while watching, wanting Rick Bonus to get to the All Star Game. I'm flipping. You know, the game ends. I usually watch uh, the Jets YouTube stream. You know, whatever post game, Legal Curve post game, Penny Rennie or. Um, but I didn't. I switched over to the Dallas game. I was like, okay, Islanders, come on in regulation. You can do this. And they did not, uh, you know, went to overtime, and I turned off. I was like, ah, crap. Like it's
1: It was so close, too. I mean, I don't know if you caught the yeah, last 10 seconds of Peugeot that game. Oh, post. my God. I mean, a great setup on a two-on-one. Hey, credit to Jake Ottinger. He made the save last night, and um. You know, it uh, that there wasn't many saves. I I shouldn't say there wasn't many, there were some big saves. Vili Huso, I thought, was I mean, for a guy that gave up five, he made some 10 bell saves, and that was what was so frustrating and confounding. I think about yesterday's game, despite the fact that the Jets came out as poorly as they did and were down three nothing. I mean, honestly, until that empty netter went in to make it 7-5, there wasn't a minute where I didn't think that game was fully winnable for the Winnipeg Jets. And listen, it certainly was, I guess, a fun game to watch. I mean, if you were a fan in the building, much like the game against Vancouver on Sunday afternoon, I mean, if you like goals, there was a ton of them. There was some ridiculous offensive chances on both sides of the game. But the bottom line is the Winnipeg Jets got here by not playing that way. And I know we'll hear from Bones in a minute. Um, I don't know if you guys took it the same way. And maybe it was I was a little bit more geeked about the thought of Bones going to the All-Star game. But man, that was a disappointed, very disappointed head coach afterwards. Often with some of the games, you know, he'll point out and really get to what he hated about the game. They were almost moving on right afterwards, realizing the opportunity that was lost. And again, I know maybe it's silly. We're talking about a personal accolade but this is a guy that's done so much to turn around the fortunes of this hockey team. And I think the collective psyche of the fan base, uh, it would have been, it would have been amazing to see him get that opportunity. And um, it was right there on a silver platter for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, because they strayed so far from the blueprint that had got them to this point in the season, um, unfortunately it's not going to happen.
2: Yeah, it's too bad. I think we can, um, you know, just look back at the first half and say, this is a total success. And I agree. Like if you said to anyone here, Hey, you know, um, the jets will be in second place at the half with a chance at first, if they get a win, um, and they, they don't, I mean, I think you would take that any day, any day of the week here. So, um, here, I had the giveaway running from yesterday, Stop it. but you look at, uh, yesterday's game, um, you, on money podcast, hustler the deserve to win-o meter they have the jets at seventy seven percent and Detroit at twenty two and it was all the first couple minutes. I mean these chances these guys are in the you know making cross crease passes um that are getting through. um you know guys in the slot just you know taking shots with uncontested. Uh, Hellbuck was in a tough spot and they just chased the game the whole time and just when you thought they were gonna come back and tie it, you know you'd maybe you take a penalty or you fail to have a clear or something you know you go down. For a rush, a two on one, make a pass, puck bounces off the boards, back the other way for a goal. So it just seemed like every time the Jets were close to tying it and they were within one goal um three three separate times, uh four three, five, four, and six five. Um, you know, they just couldn't quite get there. And I really I never felt hmm. Hustler, even when it was three nothing, that they were out of it. Um just look, flip the channels. Pittsburgh was down three-nothing to Vancouver. And came out of one, what was that game? Six five yesterday. So no lead is safe in the NHL. We've seen it across the league, and anyone can come back. The Jets certainly can. But it was it was the defense us, and it's two games in a row now against inferior teams where the defensive structure just isn't um isn't what
1: it's been earlier on this year. Yeah, I mean when you consider the way that the team played against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, to start off last weekend to make it four wins in a row, and then you looked at this schedule coming up. I mean, this was a real chance for the Jets to make hay. And listen, they won the game on Sunday, but I mean, listen, if they're going to play like that, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. Um, you know, you're going to have uh, you're going to have a tough time winning hockey games consistently. Um, and then combining it with. I mean listen Connor Halibut didn't have a great game I don't think there's anyone that's going to say that now listen he wasn't put in great situations on some of the shots that that went in on him um but the funny thing about it is we talked about how poor they were defensively there were only 22 shots on net last night um the bottom line is though the ones that were going on Connor Halibut early, we're from very dangerous places and situations and the next thing you know the team was down three nothing and fighting an uphill battle throughout the throughout the night all that being said though I will say and I kind of mentioned this before I mean it'll drive coaches crazy but holy smokes did they throw everything in the kitchen sink at Philly Huso through the next couple of uh, of uh, of periods and you know it's kind of funny those deserve to winometers can be I mean, listen, they're based on a lot of things that I think, you know, more often than not, we'll say, you know, this team is going to win the hockey game or not. Um, But listen, you combine the opportunities that the Jets gave up with an off night for Connor Hellebuck, which is really disappointing, I'm sure, especially for him, considering he was back there. and From all accounts, there was a ton of Jet fans connected to 37 and Kyle Connor as well last night. Um, But for all the waves of offense and the chances that the Jets were creating in the other end it just seemed like the minute it went the other way um it was going into the Winnipeg Jet net and there were some things that were completely uncharacteristic I mean certainly Connor Hellebuck's normally better than he was last night but man Remo if there is one play that maybe speaks to the weirdness of last night's game and things you don't expect to see Adam Lowry on the PK Handing the puck over to Morris Sider at the end of the third period. At the end of the second period, when the team was battling, had had battled back to four three was an absolute backbreaker to make it five three. And then boom, Nikolai Ehlers scores 33 seconds into the third period and it's game on again. But um there were plenty of things that hopefully were aberrations and outliers last night. But I think everyone will agree, and we'll hear from Bonus in a second, that that ain't the blueprint for the Winnipeg Jets to continue where they are in the standings in the Central Division.
2: No, and you, I mean, they had so many shots. And I mean, just looking, I don't pull these up too often on this show, but here's Money Puck with their shot map. I mean, the Jets, so many dots <laughs> around this uh, slot area. And the Red Wings, it's just like far apart, not, not many. So Billy Huso, give him credit. Uh, he was awesome. I mean, I Interesting, like I see people mentioning chat Neil Pionk hitting the post. What like close to the end? They're just chance after oh. chance and they couldn't score. And you know, it's I mean it's tough. I'm not gonna win every game. They won five in a row before that. Um it would have been great to get six, but they didn't, and we'll move on to a tough one in Buffalo. I do have to say, um, I should we should have seen this one coming, Hustler. You know, we got all hyped up about the Jets having dinner with Andrew Kopp the night before about uh Are you homecom- sure he didn't drug them? Yeah, homecoming. Are you sure there wasn't some sort well, of – Well, Billy... was supposed to play and called in sick at around 4 p.m., so I don't know what happened there, although it seems like everyone's sick. We heard Mike McIntyre on the show. Uh, Kevin Sawyer didn't have much of a voice last night, uh, so I don't know who they said. Stenlin is ill. It seems to be going around. But um, we should have known. We remember in Minnesota early this year, I think Sandberg had his whole family. At the game, we talked with Minnesota Mafia, and they laid laid an egg there. And yesterday in Detroit, Hustler, um, Kyle Connor and Connor Hellebuck homecoming. They have dinner with Andrew Kopp. Connor Hellebuck's second grade teacher is putting on Twitter that she's there in a Hellebuck jersey. Just couldn't couldn't handle the pressure of his second grade teacher being there. I guess. <laughs> um, so look, I, I joked before the show if that game was in any other city other than Minnesota or uh, Detroit. I mean. Jets get two points and Bones is headed to the All Star game, right?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Do we have to? Maybe some new team rules banning families and friends from well, games. Us, uh, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I was listening
2: to Kenny and Rennie, Hustler. Ken said the family room was overflowing. He couldn't even get in there. I mean, look, this is to be a workplace, Hustler. I don't have, I don't have family uh, in here waiting for me after the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're, are probably not too far away. Obviously we're joking about that, but that that... just leads to the, uh, although when you look at that, I mean, that Minnesota game earlier was maybe the worst train wreck of the entire year. Um, But yesterday, I mean, I think that Connor probably had a lot of things going on in and around the game, which it happens, obviously he's going to get the start. And I was thinking about this um, Reem earlier in the game last night, like when he had, I guess at one point it was four goals on nine shots. Um, More often than not, it doesn't matter who you are, you're getting the hook in that game. Um, But I think because of where it was, because of the fact that Hellebeck had had the last game off, I don't think Rick Bonus was ever considering pulling his all star netminder. Um, But that being said, he'll probably be the one that's the the most upset with what happened last night because, you know, while some of the goals were just great shots from, you know, tight angles that, you know, you have a tough time. Blaming the goalie for there certainly was a few, especially in big points in the game when the team was trying to battle back. Uh, that didn't that you know that ended up going past him. And um you know, overall, I think everyone knows I'm the biggest Hellebuck backer around. He uh he's gonna be fine. But for that game, that night, that scenario, disappointing for all people involved. The other thing that I'll say about the Jets, though, as much as it sucked that the result and what happened got out of it for Bones. Maybe it's a good thing they didn't win that game because the bottom line is the Winnipeg Jets need to get back to the way that they played for the better part of the first 40 games if they want to win and win consistently and should be able to handle a team like the Detroit Red Wings and to start to get down and then essentially play 80s Oilers firewagon hockey for the next couple of periods while very fun and entertaining to watch. Um, is not a way you're going to win in the playoffs and it's not a way you're going to win consistently. So, I mean, they did get away with one a little bit, how loose the game was against Vancouver on Sunday. Um, but you don't want to get in the habits and feel that you can do that each and every night because let's face it, it's fun. It's fun to score a ton of goals. It's fun to always be high-flying, freewheeling. wheeling. The basis of the Winnipeg Jets improvement this year has been on more responsible defensive play following up backing up your teammates and at times that was lacking last night and um that's the reason why they lost and hopefully that's a hard lesson that this team learned last night and it'll be much better because I'll tell you what the Buffalo Sabres know how to score goals um and if they come up and play the way they did last night we could be talking about another well another over shall we say in the game comfortably um and it's not going to be easy for them to win. Of course, Pittsburgh, as you mentioned, came back with they were down three nothing early. They did battle back and end up winning that game five four against Vancouver. So a couple challenging games on back to back nights coming up, and you hopefully, you really do hope that the Jets can come out in Buffalo and sort of get back to the, the the blueprint of what has made them successful this year because we haven't seen a lot of that the last couple nights. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because um, you know you think you're playing in
2: for your teams, you can play loose score. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I mean, offensively, um, they played. They played great. Uh, as we said, we talked about all the shots that so they had, all the chances. Um, they could have very well tied, but it was in their own end where the mistakes were made, and a couple of great A's, and they were in the net. So, look, uh, Leslie and Chat says, "Hey, I'll take a win five, lose one, any day." Yep. We're not here saying the sky's falling, or we're not here having Marty Biron and saying, "How can you fix?" Connor hell about, that not, not at all. Um, it was, it was a tough game and you'll move on. And, um, you know, Buffalo is no slouch either. As we talked about how well they can score and didn't see people in chat uh, Eric Comrie started the other day. And uh, we'll see Eric Comrie revenge game, uh, narrative. So it was, you know, they'll turn the page, uh, look to move on and hope to be better. Yeah, I guess and-
1: Comrie just got activated. Yeah, so, he, uh, he certainly will be a, will be a possibility. Jay Miller in chat says, come on, Huss, talk these WST chatters off the ledge. LOL. Honestly, I was hoping some of you might be able to do the same thing to me because full disclosure, Remus, you know, I was so bummed about the result of that game last night. I mean, um, and this just goes back to, I think, the respect and, 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 and how thankful I am and I think many of you are for this season that we've had considering what was expected what could realistically be expected. And so much of that was for Rick bonus. And when I heard those interviews yesterday, that bonus had never been to an all-star game, um, just thought that would have been so great for him personally, as well as the organization. Um, We would have been a great example of what's turned around. That being said, maybe people sleep on the jets a little longer, um, but they're going to need to get back to what has made them a team that's been challenging for first place throughout the first half. Let's hear a little bit from Bonus after. Uh, And as I mentioned, he um, just sounded dejected afterwards, and I think that probably encapsulated much of the feeling of most of the fan base considering what was on the line, although in the big picture, this is more a personal accolade, but someone that really deserved that personal accolade, as I'm sure most of you will agree. Um, Here's uh, Bonus uh, just talking about the game last night
3: we gave up some chances early that we never give up and we did tonight um yeah uh, that's in the, it was their night the puck was going in the net for them so we had more than enough chances to win the hockey game we did. we had done 85 shot attempts we had a ton of scoring chances even at the end with the goalie out uh, he made some big big saves for them so give him credit
1: all right, so there's uh Rick bonus, and you know, and I will say this about the team. I, I and I don't know whether you would feel this, Reem, um, but you know, we had said I'm sure the players are very much knowing what was on the line last night and what was at stake for their head coach, and it really did seem. I mean, the push that the Jets had after they got down and kept on giving one up and bouncing back was. I mean, it was fun to watch. I mean, those those games, I mean, listen, when the Winnipeg Jets are flying and really clicking on all cylinders offensively, um, they're an absolute handful. And Detroit was hanging on for dear life for the better part of the last couple of periods. What was unfortunate, though, was when things didn't go, there was a quick breakdown. It seemed to go back the other way and go in. And um, I think that was a really disappointed hockey club as well, considering what was on the table, what was at stake. And everything that they did, as Rick mentioned, it was a terrible start. A few got in, but man, did they push. And let me just say, or maybe we'll talk about some of the the better performances in a minute. Um, but there were a few guys that really did step up late in the game. And really, not not even late in the game. I mean, after they got down early that I thought played very well. Um, but of course, Connor Hallibuck had a rough night. I mean... 22 shots, six goals going in. I mean, that's going to happen maybe once a year for a guy like Connor Hellebuck. And here's what Bones had to say about his starting Netminder last night.
3: Yeah, it's. it's hey, listen, he uh, he's a battler. He's our guy, and he'll he's won us a lot of games this year, and he's going to win us some more. So, um, there's time. You know, again, we could we have we could have scored enough goals to win that game tonight. Right. It's as Simple as that.
4: But could he get back to those good habits in terms of your structure?
3: Yeah, well, we'll just we'll tighten it up. We'll address the issues that uh, we saw tonight that that we didn't like, and uh, we'll get ready for Buffalo.
1: All right, there's bones, Rick Bonus. All right, we uh, will have m- plenty more on this game tonight, and we're going to look ahead to the matchup with the Buffalo Sabers tomorrow with our pal Marty Baron in just a second, um, and we're also going to let you know who our Wallace and Wallace Unsung Hero is. We'll do that after Marty jumps on the program. Um, but I have to thank our friends at Consolidated Supply for their great support of WST. We're looking ahead to 2023. I can all of, already picture the golf courses opening, getting out on the links, and hey, whether you're thinking about a golf cart, whether you need irrigation for your property, Whether you want to get some artificial turf and maybe build that dream putting green in the backyard, Consolidated Supply is there. Not to mention incredible outdoor kitchens, hot tubs, and more. Find out everything Consolidated can do for you online, cte.ca, or pop down and visit Spicy Joe and the Gang at 1395 Niaqua Road East. Um, Our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, of course, are ready for 2023. Featuring great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And while so many people are batting colds and sore throats and are sick, it's never been easier to battle those things with Cole Flex Oregano Spray. I've been seeing amazing comments in the chat for people that regularly use Colflex Oregano Spray. Made locally by Inatec Nutrition, Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats. And helps to maintain immune function get yours today at any vita health location and if you are celebrating sober january or veganuary you'll find a great selection of non-alcoholic beverages and vegan and plant-based options vita health fresh market empowering people to lead healthy lives seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in linden ridge and online at myvita.ca all right one of our favorites returns to the program for the first time in 2023 a belated Happy New Year to you, Marty Barron. What's up? Happy New Year
3: to you and yours as well. Um, what's up is the Sabres have lost two in a row. Disappointing home and uh, back-to-back home dates against the Flyers and the Seattle Kraken. But uh, at least the Sabres have given us something fun to talk about. And uh, I've been doing a little bit of Jets coverage as well. And I've loved what I've seen out of the Jets. So I can't complain. Hockey's been uh, fun to watch and and good to me.
1: Well, you know what, if you had no skin in the game last night, it would have been a very fun watch of that Winnipeg-Detroit <laughs> game because, um, I mean, man, there was a ton of offense. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets were relentless at trying to battle back from that 3 nothing lead. Um, ironically, and there's not very often ever that we're talking about an off night for Connor Hellebuck, but in his homecoming, he wasn't his usual Vesna yeah. Trophy-level self, and the Jets ended up walking away. Uh, with two. The big conversation around here, Marty, though, has been that the Jets have sort of gotten away from the blueprint that has made them as successful as they've been this year. Everyone ah. knew they needed to be better defensively this season, and they really have done that. Just that game against Vancouver on Sunday afternoon yeah. and the game last night looked nothing like some of the games before. And I guess that'll happen in the middle of a long season.
3: That will happen. And you're going to have some uh, off nights. And obviously, I think last night, defensively, it was an off night. Offensively, the Jets created a ton, right? Oh. I mean, even uh, New Zealand alone, uh, the coach of the Red Wings said, Our best player was Vili Uso. Despite giving up five goals, he said, Our best player was our goaltender. So, um, that's because the Winnipeg Jets created a ton, and you also have to know that look, they've gotten four players back right for the last three games with Ealers, uh, Wheeler, Perfetti, and Schmidt right. So some of the parts of the game is gonna need some adjustment, but the creating uh, has not been an issue for them. So I look, I look at. You know, sometimes around the National Hockey League, there's some nights that it doesn't make sense. I remember earlier this year, Seattle won a 9-8 overtime game against the LA Mm. Kings. The LA Kings did not let that bother them. Now, they made a change in goal with now Phoenix Copley being their guy, getting called up. But um, Mm. I think what we know in Winnipeg is Connor Halibut had a fantastic season. Uh, he's more of a structured goaltender, and in a game like last night where maybe you needed a little bit more athleticism, and I'm not saying Halibuck's not athletic, he's an, he's a, athletic in his own way, but he's not Vasilevsky or Shusterkin or or Allmark athletic with the split, he stays very much in control and compact. There was a few of them last night. I wish he could have exploded with a big leg save or, you know, a split save or whatnot. That's not him, though. So he was off on his marks a little bit last night. It showed, but offensively, the Jets played really well.
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) no one's doubting the Jets' ability to score goals. There's no doubt about (laughs) that. It's the... uh... the way they started and getting down in a hole like that, which you don't want to be. And listen, Marty, for those of us, myself included, closer to the team that, you know, hope for the best for the Jets, what was really disappointing was the fact that, you know, a win and Rick bonus for the first time after over 2,600 games on the bench would have been going to the All-Star game. And that was disappointing, I'm sure, for a lot of the players as well. Um, But big picture, I know you've mentioned you've been on some Jets broadcasts. um, what a first half of the season and yeah. what a coaching job Rick Bonus has done. I mean, I remember we were talking in the off season about what we heard from some of the players at the end of last year, how disappointing last season was for the Winnipeg Jets and a lot of about, you know, the culture of this team being broken. He has done as incredible a job as I can remember in the National Hockey League and interested in your thoughts on this turnaround in Winnipeg uh, so quickly.
3: Yeah, Rick Bonus has been around a long time and listen, I've always respected him. Uh, you know, from his days back to the Ottawa Senators and and look, that's a long time ago, but I always um have have kept an eye on his path and what he's been able to do and and also as an assistant coach because People always look at the head coach, but the assistant coaches are so important. And what he's been able to surround himself with, a really good staff in Winnipeg has helped, right? I know Scotty Arnell really well. I coached me a couple of times, and I know that he's helping in that way. There, there's so many great people behind the scenes that, to me, make a difference. But, okay, so let's look at what Rick Bonas did coming into the Jets this, this offseason, right? Stripping Wheeler of the Sea. That was supposed to be the hot topic. Like, oh, this room is not going to be able to overcome a a tough decision to strip somebody of the captaincy. This room has responded extremely well to having leadership internally. Despite having letters or not on your jersey, you need to be able to show up and show up with leaders. Uh, They've been able to do that. The injuries, right? Uh, Nick Ehlers missed played two games, then missed, uh, I, I think it was 30 or, or more. Now he's played the last three. Uh, you don't overcome missing a player like Ehlers easily unless you have good structure, unless you, you're you able to push the right button, unless you have depth. And I think uh, Rick Bonas has been able to use the depth of the Winnipeg Jets. Listen, I, I remember last year, uh, Janssen Fialbi got picked on waivers by the Sabres and then there was some immigration issues and then was put on waivers again, was basically gone to Washington again. And it was one of those players that, well, he bounces around, but probably will never be a figure in the NHL uh, well, he's found a spot with the Winnipeg Jets, and I feel like he's added the depth that they want, they needed, they wanted. Um, and he's not just the only one. There's a lot of players that are filling in that role. So um, I really believe the Jets, and I, funny enough, I've been burned the last few years, always hyping the Jets, always saying uh, the Jets are that team. They're going to go to finals. They're one of the best teams in the Western Conference. And they always felt short. So this summer... I vowed to not talk about the Jets at all this year. And now they're make me talk about them because of what they've been able to do. So that's a, a good feat in itself right
1: there. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, everyone appreciates that. I think we did the same thing too, because listen, this team legitimately had big, big expectations over the last few seasons. And, you know, pretty much since 20, well, listen, the midway point of the 2018, 19 season have been going in the wrong trajectory. and, yeah. You know, Bonus, through a number of ways, has completely turned this thing around. And um, that's sort of why that, you know, the loss last night, I think, from a fan standpoint, was disappointing because of what he deserved. All that being said, though, um, this has been, as you kind of pointed out, I mean, a uh, a great turnaround. They're getting the most out of their top players. But I'm glad you brought up Axel because um, Johnson Fialby is part of a number of guys that, to be honest, weren't really on the radar at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. season and then when you add in the injuries that the Winnipeg Jets went through from November and December Marty a whole bunch of players stepped up playing above where they would normally play in the lineup maybe when they wouldn't normally have been called up from the American Mm -hmm. League to the National Mm -hmm. Hockey League and they survived that month of December And then everyone comes back at once. Um, It's unique, and this doesn't happen very often, Marty, but I'm interested from a team perspective, the challenges of getting back players that you've been waiting for all along. um, But maybe at times that takes you away from what got you through those tough times without the players in the lineup.
3: And it was important for the Jets to be able to continue moving forward because at a time where the St. Louis Blues were struggling, the Jets were able to move ahead. At a time when the Nashville Predators were struggling, the Jets moved ahead and Colorado was dealing with their injuries. So you look at teams that are chasing right now, the Oilers and the Flames, but, you know, especially in the Central Division, right? The Blues, the the Preds, like that was important for the Jets to put some separation, to put themselves chasing the Dallas Stars, right, for first place. So it could have gone the other way. It could have been like, okay, we're doing good. We're still in the playoff spot, but we're only a point or two up on Nashville and St. Louis. Instead, they put a gap of eight points, and at one point it was, I think, 12. So that was what was so important, and we all know. You don't make the playoffs in October and November, but you can lose your place and miss out in the playoffs early in the season. So those added points and that cushion that they were able to build, um, that's great that, you know, they can carry that into the second half of the season. Uh, so there's going to be some ups and downs and and there's going to be some adversity. But I feel like the Jets have dealt with the adversity and now they can move forward uh, with the team that they planned on having uh, without all that, that the injuries. Hopefully they can stay healthy. But, Uh, Yeah, they're fun to watch. They move the puck quickly. Uh, They seem to have a a, a core of players that all either get along or are honest with one another. Maybe that's what happened. I mean, when Nick Ehlers came back his first game, you know, after the first period he said on TV, uh, that felt awful, right? I laugh because that's not usually the honesty that you get out of the players, but this group seems to always – want to put their their best foot forward and be honest and just call it as it is. And to me, that's, again, leadership, and it starts with the coach really uh, putting his best foot forward and and being honest and assessing what's going on on the ice.
1: You could not have nailed that anymore, Marty. I mean, and that was something, frankly, that was lacking under Paul Maurice. I mean, yep. uh, Maurice wasn't very forthcoming. I'm not sure whether he... I mean, listen, that was just his style. Hey, it's his job. You can you know, handle it the way he wanted to, but there was a real lack of honesty. And I think from that came a lack of accountability at times for players. And that was something that Rick bonus changed immediately right out of the gate. Even sometimes, you know, when the team had won in the past, you'd say, Oh, great. We won the game. It was like, wait a second. We can't be doing this consistently <laughs> if we want to be where we want to get to. And, I think it has rubbed off on the players in the big picture. It's certainly been a big, big positive for the Winnipeg Jets. Before I ask you about Buffalo, because they're a yeah. fascinating team, we're going to see them tomorrow. You mentioned the central division in the West, and you've got Dallas and Vegas who are 14 games above 500, Winnipeg, who's 12 games above 500, and LA. Well, the Kraken actually are 12 as well, which is a mm-hmm. wild story themselves. Um, and L.A., everybody else in that, you know, three, four, five area. And you've got a big group of teams that are either just above or below the wild card. I've got to ask you about two teams. that I think everyone had as playoff teams, Edmonton and Colorado. Yeah. Colorado's been decimated by injuries. Edmonton's just been inconsistent. I mean, if you're on that team or a fan of that team, how concerned are you? about Colorado and Edmonton. Um, and is it far more concerning Edmonton because they have their players, minus of Andrew Kane, of course, than what Colorado's done, which can be somewhat understandable considering how short man they've been.
3: Well, the odd makers still believe the Colorado Avalanche will make the playoffs, and I do as well, right? I think they've got the the best odds out of the teams that are outside right now to make it into the playoffs. They were injured. I feel like they got good goaltending with Georgiev, a newcomer, right, coming over from the Rangers. They did that with Darcy Kemper last year. They did that with Grubauer the year before. So they've been able to find goaltending, which is usually a lot more difficult to do in the National Hockey League. So I'm not worried about the avalanche. Uh, When it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, now I am concerned and worried. Two things. The Oilers have only won more than two games in a row twice this year. They won on a five-game winning streak earlier in the season when Evander Kane was there, and then they had a three-game winning streak. Like, they keep saying, we got to get on a run. We got to get on a run. Well, where's the... The proof, right, that you can get on the run without Evander Kane. Evander Kane was a big part of the Oilers. And without him, uh, I feel like right now you're missing a piece up front. Uh, Ryan nugent hopkins sometimes has got some really good games. Sometimes you don't see him as much. Hyman, I feel like, has been pretty good. But other than McDavid and Drysido, who's there to, to add some energy and maybe change the tone of the game? And Evander Kane's not there. It's not happening. Maybe where it needs to change with Al Kane is, well, maybe your goalies need to step it up. And Stuart Skinner has been really good uh, for the Oilers this year. But, I mean, they brought in Jack Campbell. And Campbell had a disastrous start to the season. He's been better of late. And I'm interested to see how the next two games go. Because Stuart Skinner went back home. His wife is expecting their first child right here, right now, like in the next hours, days or whatnot. So he went back home. So Jack Campbell already knows that he's going to start the next two games, most likely. And he can take the pressure off of having to perform to get another start and build on the confidence that I think he's shown in coming in relief in LA and his past game before that. So I think goaltending is being a big question mark. Like, who do you trust more in the teams that are competing for a playoff spot? Do you trust Campbell and Stuart Skinner? Or do you trust Biddington, who's done it, won a cup? And do you trust Yossi Soros, who has been a Vezna uh, finalist? Or do you trust Georgiev and what Colorado can do? Like I feel like you can trust the other ones more than you trust the Oilers. So that's why I think the Oilers are in real, real trouble here.
1: Yeah, uh, and uh, I mean it's not getting any easier, as you mentioned, because, I mean, teams like Colorado are getting their players back. I mean, there's probably, I think you could probably make an argument that there's a good chance that five teams could come from the Central again, I guess, depending yeah. on what happens with Seattle. But Seattle's been a great story. Every time we think they're going to fall off yeah. a little bit, they go and win. I mean, you saw it last night against I those Sabres. I saw it last
3: night, and listen, their depth is incredible. You can be looking at Eberly, Bennears, and Burakowski as their top line. And they were really good against the Sabres last night. And that's the difference, right? Bennears now, last year he wasn't there. Burakowski wasn't there either. He was in Colorado. So they really give Seattle a top line, but their depth, like you watch Tanev, you watch Gord, you watch McCann, you watch, uh, uh, man, uh, Geeky was in last night. It, like, there's so much depth on that forward group that they just keep rolling and rolling and rolling, which is not something they had last year. So Seattle, for me, is legit. Uh, They got a solid performance out of Grubauer. Uh, Martin Jones had the shutout on Monday night against the Canadians. I I don't think they have been lights out, but they've been winning games. So as a goaltender, you look at two things. How are my personal stats? Goals against average, save percentage, all of that. If that's good, the win-loss record, well, it's secondary. But if your win loss record is great, don't worry about the goals against average. Like, find the stats that work. And I think that's what Jones and Grubauer have been able to do, uh, mostly Jones for the Seattle Kraken.
1: Now, let's get to the team that you cover most closely that we're going to see tomorrow night, the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, they're coming off two disappointing home losses. They're going to get an ornery Jets team after what happened last night in Detroit. It should be a fascinating matchup. But, I pay a lot of attention to to, to Buffalo, maybe Mm -hmm. more than most teams. It's been amazing to watch the player that Tage Thompson has turned into. Um, But, I mean, give us your perspective on their first half of the season. Some real highs, but some of those lows as well. And maybe they're at that point right now.
3: So the Sabres, at one point, were being helped by having some secondary scoring. It first started with Rasmus Dahlin. He scored in five straight games to start the season. That had never been done by a defenseman. So that's an NHL record, and Dahlin's been fantastic. Uh, At some point, they had Dylan Cousins really uh, progressing, and and he's played great. But his line with Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterko were providing secondary scoring. That has really dried up. And so Tage Thompson, Alex Duck, Jeff Skinner, I've had to really carry the load, and, and all three of them are having career years and monster years, especially Tage Thompson with, with what he's been able to do. Um, you know, over 30 goals, and you know, he's on he was on pace for 69 at one point. That's dropped down a little bit. He hasn't scored in his last two, uh, but he can just change the the flow of the game with his with his hands, with his shot. Uh, he can shoot the one timer over 100 miles an hour. Which uh, now with the puck tracking, we can we can see that in game, and it's pretty cool to see. Uh, but they need more out of Casey Middlestat, out of Victor Olafson. Uh, those are two that have definitely been singled out as, as to trying to get more secondary scoring. Olafson has scored a lot this year, a lot of empty netters, uh, uh, some power play markers. So it's a little skewed with the stats. Uh, but on defense, man. Rasmus Daly and Matthias Samuelsson, Owen Power. They've been great in goal. They've got a situation now that's a little dicey because they've got Craig Anderson, who's 41 years old, that doesn't play regularly. He needs more maintenance to get organized. Although he's played well this year, Eric Comrie. You guys all know him from his great season last year with the Jets. Uh, He was hurt for the better part the last two months. He went down, played three conditioning game in Rochester, played last night, wasn't supposed to play last night against Seattle. Uko Pekalukainen was supposed to play, but was ill. But, you know, they got three goalies. They got too many players for their roster right now, so some paper transactions are happening every day. Um, Kevin Adams says it's a good problem to have, but it is a problem because they they have too many players and they don't have enough roster spots. So uh, I don't know. I, I would assume that maybe we'll see Ukopeko Lukonen tomorrow night against the Jets if he's healthy, if he's overcome the, the, the flu bug or whatever he had. Uh, but maybe we see Comrie again. Um, you know, I don't think we'll see Craig Anderson, but I think we can see either Comrie or Lukonen against the Jets. Uh, and that's where the... The juggling starts with the Sabres when it comes to who's going to be a net and and what kind of impact it's going to have on the game.
1: Well, I think Comrie's fascinating. Of course, as you mentioned, we all know him very well. And he had that great start, that run they had out west. He was winning, I think, three straight, but um, sort of hit a wall, as did the team with that big losing streak afterwards. But to Buffalo's credit, I mean, they moved past that. They started scoring. And Tage Thompson has been the guy leading the way. I mean, Marty, I still... We laugh about this when you look back at that draft. I mean, he was picked 26th, I believe, and then traded. Yep. Um, and if you redrafted that draft right now, he's probably right behind Austin Matthews. Um, how has he done it? I mean, has he grown into this player throughout his time in Buffalo? Um, was there one? Was there one point where he kind of? Felt more comfortable in his massive frame or how to use it because, man, when you look at him, he's a unique, he's a unicorn right now with his size and his scoring ability and what he's doing right now, already passing the 30 goal mark.
3: Yeah, some have compared a little bit of a skill set to what Mario Lemieux did. Look, Mario is out of this world, so I yeah. don't want to compare Tage Thompson to Mario, but um, the skill. Right. The, the the stick handling, yeah. the being the so much taller, the wingspan, like Mario was six, four, but everybody was five, six foot at the time. Tage Thompson is six, six and a half, but everybody's six, two, six, three. So his different uh, differential between height, like it's almost like Mario back in the days. So he stands out, but they just got this silky smooth hands. He's got the big shot. Um, he's got the wingspan, as you, you just said, where he can move the puck from one way to the other uh, and, and change the angle really rapidly. Uh, but the big change was Don Granado really knew Tage Thompson. Going back to the national development program, uh, when Tage joined as a 17 year old, uh, Don Granado was coaching at the program in the US at the time and remembers the first time he saw him actually here in Buffalo. At the Northtown Center. It's the arena that the USA hockey use a lot for those, you know, festival and showcases. So you remember seeing them. And then last year, the you know, the summer of 2021, he said to Tage, I may try you at center. And Tage was like, Okay, let's see what happened. Right. So he puts Tage Thompson at center, it unlocks his potential. He doesn't have to worry about the wall, the boards, playing in restrained space. He's got now room in the middle of the ice to be able to use his skill set. And it's really worked. A lot of time, you know, you can't move a winger to the center position because the center is hard to play. But with Tage Thompson and where the Sabres were, they had time to really work with him and see what was going to happen. And he did a massive full job. And you have to also give credit to Alex Tuck. When Alex Tuck joined the Sabres after the Eichel trade, he was still injured from an off-season surgery. And in January last year, when Tuck, Thompson, and Skinner would put together, it took off. So you're seeing that this year as well. Those three together really, really are one of the top lines in the National Hockey League.
1: I cannot wait for the game tomorrow night. It should be a lot of fun between two pretty exciting yep. teams. Just only on the way out, Marty, I have to quickly ask you about this. It has nothing to do with the Jets or the Sabres. Uh, but half the league's tanking for Connor Bedard right now. We just saw him <laughs> at the World Junior Championships. As a former goaltender, what goes through your mind when you see this kid shoot the puck?
3: First of all, it's a, a laser. Uh, so there's a, a few different things as a goalie you look for in a shot, right? The release, um, how the player can hide where they're shooting, how quick the release is. Um, Connor Bedard, like his release is incredible. It's quick off the blade. Uh, he doesn't shoot from the same location all the time, so it changes location. Uh, sometimes it's on his right foot, sometimes it's on his left foot. There's a weight transfer there, um, so the release is is NHL. Superstar release, right? But also the precision and the speed, the velocity on the shot. Like he uses that flex on his stick so well that it's a laser every time it comes off the stick. And he knows he can beat goalies from out far. Like I know it's the world junior, so it's not NHL goalies, but he was beating goalies from 30, 40 feet out on the wrist shot, right? So, and he was trying to beat them that far away too. A lot of NHL players won't do that because they don't think they can score. Connor Bedard thinks he can score with his wrist shot from anywhere on the ice. So I think it's going to surprise a lot of good NHL goalies next year when he plays in the NHL, because we all know he's going to go one overall and he's going to play in the NHL next season.
1: Marty, you're the best. Thanks so much for doing this and enjoy the game tomorrow night. Really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. You guys have a good rest of the week. Right back at you. There is Marty Baran. One of the best in the biz when it comes to breaking it down. And, of course, being so close to Buffalo, perfect time to get him before the Jets take on the Sabres tomorrow night. Uh, more Jets talk coming up with Murata Tesh. And we will also talk some Bombers off season as Kyle Walters joins us from the CFL meetings in Kananaskis. Caught up with him after the show yesterday. We'll play that for you a little bit later on. Uh, but let's get to it. I wanted to get Marty on. But now, folks, we've had, uh, first of all, I want to thank everyone for their uh, submissions and nominations for our Unsung Hero from Wallace & Wallace. Make sure to send us an email at unsunghero at at winnipegsportstalk.com. And let us know about the person in in the uh, community that's making an impact through volunteerism, helping out people in need and more. And uh, we've got to give a big congratulations. And first off, thank you very much to Lauren Finley, the WST listener, who nominated the December winner for the Unsung Hero, and that is Mark Hache. And this is from Lauren. Mark is a guy in his late fifties who gives and gives and gives in many ways, and has for a long time. He's been a delivery person for Meals on Wheels for several years now. He always takes that extra time to check in with the people he delivers to, especially if anything seems off. Meals on Wheels also frequently call for extra routes when others are able to help out. He's a member of a group called Makers Making Change. This is a group that all have an interest in things like 3D printing and other ways of creating items with a specific focus on helping those with disabilities and helping them with accommodations to assist them in day-to-day lives. This group's also held workshop-type events for high school students who are interested in this type of work and volunteerism. Mark and his fellow group members were very involved in getting those masking extenders printed out to various groups in the disability and healthcare community during those early days of masking. The local group, I believe, is affiliated with a larger national group. He's also been involved in the Relay for Life for the last few years which is an event that raises funds for the Canadian Cancer Society and spent two years as the volunteer coordinator and this year took on role of chair for the entire local organizing committee. And though it's mostly his wife's work, he regularly helps her and her local dog rescue group when trying to catch lost, missing dogs so they can re-return home. Mark, you are the epitome of what the Unsung Hero program is all about. Congratulations. And uh, we're going to have an autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey from Mark. And Lauren, thank you so much for making that donation. Wallace & Wallace is going to donate $500 in your name to the Dream Factory. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that. So we've got another $1,000 to the Dream Factory and a very, very deserving unsung hero in Mark Hache. Lauren, thanks so much. And folks, let us know about someone like Mark in your life. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com, and maybe we'll be reading out their unsung hero story next month on WST. Uh, Great stuff. Thanks again to Lauren for a great, great nomination. All right. Um, Hey, got to thank our friends over at Royal Sports for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're into January, and I'm looking out. They've got the flood going on right now on the River Trail, and I know we often think of skates just being for hockey, uh, but man, this is a great time to take advantage of what winter has to offer here in Winnipeg, and that is often getting on the ice. Now, you don't have to go and buy $1,000 skates like you're playing in the National Hockey League. Royal Sports has some great, less expensive options for people that just want to go out, hit the outdoor rink, or... Hit the skate trails. Pop down and see him, and ask about those skates at 750 Pemina Highway. While you're there, check out the amazing Jets merchandise, Bomber merchandise, NFL, CFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, soccer from around the world, and uh, don't forget that great Yeti department if uh, you're looking for maybe keeping something hot while you're out doing something throughout the uh, throughout the evening. F apparel as well. Ready for 2023, guys. Looking to upgrade your wardrobe? You know where to start. Pop down and see Andrew Parks and his great staff at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. They're the leaders in custom suits starting at just $400 here in Winnipeg for men. Also, do custom shirts, pants, chinos, golf pants, and more. While you're there, check out the great selection of accessories, ties, belts, and everything you need to up your wardrobe game and wedding parties or 2023 grads. Make sure to talk to them about great specials going in to the new year. And Hey, just before we bring Murat on always a great time to hit up your local Boston pizza. I know BP's a great supporter of the ice and we got a huge ice game tonight out at max bell or the ice cave, I should say, between Winnipeg and Seattle. Um, whether you're hitting the Jets or the ice, no better place to go before or after the game than your local Boston pizza. Check out all the great new seasonal items, including the Carbonara pizza and the jalapeno popper dip. And hey, if it's too cold and you're staying at home, you can order online anywhere in the city and all much of Manitoba online at bostonpizza.com bomber fans stay tuned kyle walter's coming up a little later on in the program but let's continue our jets conversation heading into buffalo coming out of detroit with marat atash of the athletic marat what's up how are you my friend
4: hey i'm hanging in there happy to be here how are
1: things well things are things are good i'm putting on a brave face but i will be honest and we talked about this at the beginning of the show i uh I mean, listen, you win and lose games. It's a long season. I was so disappointed about what happened last night just because I thought that if there was ever a game this team needed to win, that was the one considering what was on the line to send Rick Bonus to the All-Star game after never being there ever in his career that spanned over 2,600 games. And I mean, from a spectator's point, point, I mean, that game certainly wasn't boring, uh, but It started off poorly, and despite everything the Jets threw at Detroit, some mishaps in their own end, a few getting past Connor Hellebuck, and it just didn't seem it was meant to be. Interested in your thoughts on last night's 7-5 loss to the Wings?
4: You know, it's funny, but when that game started, I thought Winnipeg was playing a little bit better than it did in its start against Vancouver, and that was a bit stunning, and it seemed the goals were going in and all of that sort of stuff, but the way that Winnipeg usually burns itself is puck management the way that they break the puck out of the zone they were talking about it after vancouver they went through the middle too much they played that puck into traffic too much against detroit they fixed that they were moving up the ice well they were getting into structure it was just that every single time that they got a step behind the red wings in their own zone defensive coverage detroit got into space launched a shot that beat connor and. As much as you could keep saying, well, hey, the structure's better, the structure's better, they're, they're kind of doing the right things, you know, Winnipeg kept falling just that one step behind, and then Hellebuck wasn't able to bail them out like he normally does, so whether that's, you know, in man-to-man coverage, Dylan DeMello ends up at the point, and that's fine, but, you know, he gets beat by Jake Wallman, boom, the shot's in the net. Okay, that happens, um, you know, whether it's Brendan Dillon a little bit later, a, a puck hopping over the stick of Neil Pionk a little bit later when Winnipeg had some momentum, some penalties. You know i didn't trust detroit to hold its own lead but i didn't trust winnipeg to hold its comeback together either to defend it and uh, you know all those mistakes just ended up burning them and burning them i think it's a disappointing way to lose because there were things to like um even as they gave up goal after goal after goal
1: well an eminently winnable game and i mean Lalan said afterwards i mean hey our best player was villi Husso. i mean it wasn't that the jets sort of packed it up and didn't push i mean i will give them credit for I think maybe feeling that they really, I mean, of this game, the bonus factor of the all-star, I mean, wanting that for the organization, but especially for the coach and really pushing. But at a certain point, when you dig yourself a hole the way the team did in the first period, you can get so focused on getting that next one, you sort of forget about taking care of things in your own end. And you're exactly right. I mean, it wasn't like the Detroit Red Wings spent a lot of time in the jet zone or were you know it was a back and forth game it seemed like an onslaught for 40 minutes but the minute that the red wings had even the slightest opportunity the red light seemed to be going on which is very unusual when 37's in the net
4: yeah exactly connor hellebuck has stolen many a game and he'll steal many more games and he is still a viable contender for the vesina trophy we can get more into that later if that's uh you know still a passion of yours i know you guys were talking about about awards <laughs> the other day but last night, he did not bail them out. And last night, I think for a little while, he was running, you know, a save percentage in the five or 600 level. And that's, you know, not going to win you games. You can't spot any team, quote unquote, even the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, and the Detroit Red Wings aren't a bad hockey club. The NHL isn't such a disparate league where a team like the Red Wings is automatically a gimme or a pushover. Winnipeg's in the middle of a spot where they're playing against a lot of teams not scheduled to make the playoffs. And they need to make, hey, without taking these guys for granted, giving up one step here, one step there, uh, and, and some shots that, you know, Conor Hellebuck would want back. At the same time, I do have to give you a nod, too, when you're talking about, well, Winnipeg created chances. They absolutely did. Cole Perfetti was back towards a pre-injury form. Blake Wheeler was in on some of that action. That Pierre-Luc Dubois line could just dominate for stretches. Oh. It was amazing to watch Dubois actually at both ends of the ice. He did, he did some great defending work in front of his own net, too, although I think he may have been a screen on, on perhaps the Wallman goal. Um, but he was all over the ice. They can pin teams in their in their own zone. So then when you're spotting teams' leads, teams you should beat, when you have the opportunity to give your coach a ticket to his first ever All-Star game, I mean, it just adds up to, to disappointment and a bitter taste, I imagine.
1: You know, but as I did say, and I'm trying to, you know, put on a very positive face right now on this one, if you told me at the start of the year that we'd be all bent because of one loss in game forty one and the team is three points out of first with a game in hand, probably would smack myself in the face and say, Dude, get get a grip, man. Um, because it really has been an unbelievable first half of the season. But I think that's why with the situation that was on the table last night for the Jets is so disappointing is that so much of this turnaround, we can attribute to everything that Rick bonus has done. And not only would it be great personally for Rick, who absolutely I think deserves to be there. Um, you know, a nice bit of recognition for the Winnipeg Jets to be the number one team, in the central, of course they fell just short in that that maybe a lot of people hadn't been paying attention to. And those sort of events where the entire league comes together and realize, well, wait a second, Bones is on the bench. What's happening in Winnipeg? And tell you what, the best way to do that though, is make the playoffs and make things happen in the spring. And they certainly have put themselves very much in the conversation to do exactly that.
4: Yeah. uh, That's, that's something that did not disappear with one poorly defended game against the Detroit Red Wings last night. Winnipeg continues to be a playoff-bound team. They do enough of the little things right to give their stars a chance to get going. The first half review is a positive one. There's no doubt about it. And even when you think, or I think, I reflect back, you know, that game against Tampa Bay where Winnipeg is, you know, going toe-to-toe with and, and controlling parts of a game against a team that won the Stanley Cup two out of three seasons. And the fans in, in my ads and my replies and all that sort of stuff on Twitter and what have you, they're, they're ruthless. You know, it's as if Winnipeg absolutely belongs there. Any talk of the jets struggling heading into the season or last year's issues is gone. Jets fans expect wins. Now that is a, that is a sea change. That is a transformative cultural shift. I think that the Winnipeg jets have earned at the same time, just that opportunity. And I'll harp on this one more, one more time. The jets, they want the playoffs. They want playoff wins, all of that sort of stuff. Um, You know, and, Awards talk is starting to begin, and I don't doubt for a second that somebody who doesn't pay close attention to the Winnipeg Jets is going to look at the All-Star game, and they're going to see Pete DeBoer there for the Dallas Stars, and no matter what happens from here to the end, no matter who deserves how much amount of credit, that name recognition in a high-profile moment moment for a broadcaster, for whomever, um, I think that's going to stick some people's names in people's minds, and it may have, in a roundabout way, hit bonus taking a hit to bonuses Jack Adams case at the end of the year as well.
1: Oh, I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, that was part of the reason why I thought it was so important from someone that may or not have sprinkled on Rick's at 28 to one to win the Jack Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is that if he was there, it would have been one of the great stories of the all-star game. I mean, this is a guy that is so beloved around the league that hasn't had that opportunity Um, it would have been a wake-up call for many of the folks that haven't been paying attention at all to the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, the Jack Adams is voted on by the broadcasters. And, yes, you have some national broadcasters. And, listen, to be perfectly honest, I don't think the national broadcasters do a very good job at, you know, paying attention to all of the teams in the league. And certainly the local ones, especially the ones in the East, will see the Jets twice in a season. So, there was a big opportunity to maybe shine a bit more of a light on, uh, on the club uh, and the club and the head coach at the same time. Um, but they move on and they head to the Buff- uh, to Buffalo to uh, try and take away the bad taste of the mouth from last night's loss. And they get back in the win column. Um, it is sort of funny that that was breaking up a five game winning streak, their longest winning streak since 2019. And so many other things have gone so well. Um, but let me move on to this Mara. And, it was funny listening to some post-game conversations last night as well as talking with some people um we've been waiting for ehlers and perfetti and wheeler and schmidt to come back they all come back on on uh on friday night against tampa and you know full credit to every single player some of the guys that have been back to the manitoba moose some guys that are now in the press box i mean everyone doing what they had to do to Keep their heads above water and survive the month of December, which the team did incredibly well. Um, the Tampa game was awesome. I mean, and Rick Bonus loved it. He talked about that felt like a playoff game. These last two games were like a 180 from a playoff game. I mean, it was 80s fire wagon hockey at times. It looked like pond hockey, especially in that Vancouver game. I'm just interested in your perspective on what the team has looked like since these players have come back, more so in the last couple of games, um, and what you think the focus will be the team, uh, with the team and the coaching staff to try to get them back playing more along the blueprint that got them to this Gaudi's place in the standings in the first place.
4: Well, there's going to be a little bit of a writer just sees a narrative and can't help it in, in my answer to that question. But I think that there's some truth to this. When the margin for error for Winnipeg was so slim with all those guys out of the lineup, every last little detail had to go in Winnipeg's favor for the Jets to come out of a game with a win. They had to get the special teams victory. They had to get the goaltending victory. They had to, you know, control what they could control at five on five, get at least two of those three things together. And, you know, Winnipeg had a chance to win. And I'm not saying that they stepped off the gas or anything to that effect in the last couple of games. They're out there, they're trying. I don't think they're assuming that just because these guys are back, the win is in the bag. But there is something that Winnipeg has been guilty of in recent seasons, which is when they start scoring a highlight real goal or two, they seem to go back to the highlight real goal attempt you know, bag of tricks more often than necessarily getting those little things right time and time again. And I thought that maybe some of those beautiful plays against Vancouver, especially on Sunday, that led to goals, especially for that Ehlers line, you know, may have, for a time, got the Jets playing a little bit too high-risk, high-reward, instead of waiting for those moments to open up organically that they could attack and seize upon. And that's the sort of thing that I'd worry about for the Winnipeg Jets right now. That's the sort of thing where Winnipeg has worked so hard for half a season to establish playing the right way more often than not um and there's a fear maybe that having these guys back scoring a couple of beauties is going to change that for a little while i don't think that there's a risk that it's off the rails necessarily or about to go off the rails but that's the mission for the jets right now and i think we've seen enough cracks in that in the last two games that you know going into this buffalo game that's first and foremost on my wish list for these Winnipeg jets is they go back to, you know, every line looking the same waiting for their opportunity to strike because the way some of those stars are playing right now, they can dominate for stretches and they will get their opportunities.
1: Ehlers hated his first period when he came back and we were just talking to Marty about what he had to say is Frank honesty, um, you know, in between periods of the, of the Tampa game. But, um, man, he's looked dangerous uh, since then. I mean, uh, what have you made of uh, Ehlers and the way he's looked now back playing three games after just getting in the first two of the season back in October?
4: I mean, the guy's on track to have the sort of season he was supposed to have. His vision is there. His ability to see his teammates is there, even when he doesn't see them. I mean, when he takes that pass in his first game back from Pierre-Luc Dubois high in the zone, he doesn't even see Kyle Connor on on that right wing open in space but he knows that Connor is there. I mean, I asked him, I'd watch that replay. I'm like, where do you pick up that Connor is there? He's like, you know what? I don't know that I could say I saw him. I, I felt him, I think is what he said that he, you know, in terms of how he knew that. And that's impressive stuff. The fact that he already has that, that line has looked like it has all the chemistry in the world. I think last week you and me, we talked, hey, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. they can get it done with anybody. Don't worry about it. That's a soft landing spot for Ealers well, look what he's been able to do since joining them, that he's adding to that. He's a passenger by no means. The other thing, us, is what I'm going to say. I don't know if this is going to be like, I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't think he's as fast as he was. And I know he's flying. I saw him go for that, that breakaway last night. I mean, there, there are times when other teams simply can't handle his speed. And yet I still think that we're seeing 90% of fly so to speak right now so I think there's more from him yet uh down the stretch as the, as the series season goes on
1: well that is a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets and certainly the way that lines clicked right off right out of the gate has been um fun to watch although um it's about both ends and I'm sure that'll be reinforced by the coaching staff when uh they get ready for these back to backs um Adam Lowry's had a monster season he has been you know we talked about it going in I mean I thought that he'd you know, he was poised to have his best season as a Jet, and he's doing that. Which, again, I go back to last night's game for a minute. I mean, that play where they were killing the penalty and he had the puck on his stick was was almost bizarre from a player like Lowry. How did you see that? Before I give you my take on it, I'm interested in what you saw in that and what Lowry was trying to do that obviously ended up not working, going onto the stick of Moritz Sider and very quickly into the Jets' net.
4: Yeah, you know what? I'm trying to think what I would say about that. It's it's just a situation where a player has made that play, whether it's getting the clear or even going up for a rush so many times and has done the right thing and executed it so many times. It's almost like Hellebuck in a way. When he has a game where his numbers are poor and his goals are saved above expectation, takes a monster hit and all of those sorts of things. When the guy's track record is good enough, I mean... Yeah, I, I guess my first instinct is, hey, you know what? Lowry will get that one, that play made. You know, nine out of the next ten times. If do you think
1: more. though, that, but do you think that he was trying to make an offensive play on that? I mean, I heard Sean talking about it last night on KNR, and I guess his his take on that was that Lowry had the puck and was going to try and bang it past Moritz Sider and go in on a scoring chance, which he's done very successfully at times throughout the past year. My perception of it, and I'll have to go back and watch that shift again, was that they were out there for so long killing that penalty that when he finally got it, it was almost just like a a momentary relaxation when he was doing the thing and just didn't get it out. Like I'm Mm. not sure whether I was just looking at it in a different framework because I really didn't feel that there was any thought of an offensive play on that. It was more a level of desperation that just... Every now and then, you let up for a moment, and I think they had been so tense for so long. Um, Just interested whether you had a thought on either way of like on that particular play.
4: Yeah, you know what? I think I need to watch it a couple times too and sort of get a feel for maybe the rhythm of that moment a little bit more than I have. Like, you know, guys get tired. That's when the mental mistakes happen. That's when, you know, that sort of stuff happens at the same time Winnipeg doesn't tend to play with a lot of fear on the PK so you know a good point. <laughs> do I think he absolutely wasn't just because it was 3 on 5 well I don't know but I do think Adam Murray usually would have the the game awareness not to not to push on a on a shift that long Got to watch it before I have a strong opinion. Yeah, like
1: I really thought at that point, I mean, it was like, okay, thank God I'm able to get off for a shift. I'm like, oh my God, that didn't go. And again, it was sort of the story of last night. After all that great penalty killing, you know, one mistake like that, bang, bang, it's in the net. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that was, uh, that was uh, what happened last night. One thing I've got to say, and this is maybe a perfect time because we are at the midway point of the season. Josh Morrissey is the Winnipeg Jets All-Star. He has had... A season beyond anyone's expectations even Rick bonuses, as he mentioned Uh, Morrissey was on another level last night I mean I don't know how many times he banged out that spinorama move to the point where Detroit was grabbing the back of his jersey to hold him up I mean it it seems like you know on a weekly basis he's adding and showing more things to his game Maraud. and I got to tell you, that has to be incredibly exciting for anyone that pulls for the Jets.
4: I mean, yeah, those dancing moves, those those steps are um, God-given, you might say, in the moment, uh, playing jazz out there, just supreme confidence in his own ability that when he sees a hint of space or the opportunity to create that space, Morrissey is doing that consistently. And... I think for me, the big thing is, and maybe last night's what made me think of it, because Winnipeg was trailing and they were chasing and there was a desperation. I was thinking about how every few games last season, we would see a glimpse of something like that. When Winnipeg was chasing a game, only the, the, the green light would go on and Josh Morrissey would be encouraged to do that sort of stuff. And he could take over games. We only saw it in a few minute stretches and third periods. And the season-long story for Josh Morrissey is he's been able to do that, and he has the green light. And I think one of the things that's happened now by game 41 of the the season is he has seen some of those situations enough times. He's been in that situation enough times where now he has new ideas, like that little left-right step around the the forechecker at the blue line um, into the spinorama, I think that's a new moment. And you know, this the amount of frequency we're seeing in the spinorama. I think that he's taken looks at at that coverage and attacked it with success often enough that he's getting more and more ideas as the season as the season goes on. And from a developmental point of view, which seems weird because he's in his mid late twenties already, um, that seems like exactly what you want for a player learning to develop even more skills and take the next step.
1: You know, um, it was unfortunate for Billy Hanela, who was supposed to be in the game last night. The coaches had said he was in. Dylan Sandberg was going to be in the press box. And then shortly before the game, we hear Jamie Thomas mention on OB that Billy's actually not playing. He's sick, a non COVID illness, and Sandberg was going in. And, you know, in that first period, and maybe this is going to sound nuts, but I actually was thinking, man, could they use Billy Hanela and not because they need to score a bunch of goals? But just at times, defensively, it seemed like the team was running around a little bit. And the one thing that Billy has done when he gets the puck on his stick, more often than not, is make the right decision, make the right play, and get it out of their own end. And, I mean, for a young man that's played so little, uh, although he's looked really good, you wouldn't necessarily think that a rookie is the guy that's bringing that to the table right now. But, you know, considering the situation in the first period, I actually did have that thought that, they could really use 14 in the lineup tonight and uh, he wasn't there.
4: I mean, that's a Testament to the stretch that he was on before he came out of the lineup, I think. And, you know, you say he played so little part of me, is like, is that a, is that a height thing? Is that a, he's not six foot seven. Is that your way of saying that us? But um, no, I think that one of the things that got away from, from Winnipeg in that first period was, was the sort of thing that he's good at and it was decisions at speed and, you know, Detroit would get half a step and turn that into a whole step of space and then get it shot off in the, in the, de, in Winnipeg's defensive zone. And, you know, I have time for that. Do I think that Villy would have been a cure all? I'm not sure. But one thing that I am confident in saying is that for his stretch of play, for me, he's been the often the third, fourth, second best player uh, on that Winnipeg Jets blue line in this most recent run of games. And with that in mind, Good health brought him out of the lineup. That's got to suck personally on an individual level for him. To have illness take him out when it was his turn to go back in, that's also got to suck because you want him to keep that momentum going because like you, I mean, I trust him more and more and more every time he plays out there.
1: You know, uh, Marat, there's an interesting piece in The Athletic where I believe it was Shane and Dom put together the player cards with some neat graphics on you know, some analytic measurements of all of the players. But, I mean, you cover this team as close as anyone, certainly from the Athletic. I mean, now that we're at the midway point of the season, we've talked about Josh Morrissey, and, I mean, to me, he is at the top of the list of um, change makers as well as contributors. But um, when you look back at this first half of the season, um, is there a player or two that stands out to you maybe above the rest that has really been a massive factor in turning around the situation that the Jets had going into game one of the season against the Rangers.
4: Yeah, I think for me, it's strength down the middle and, you know, heading into the season, I thought it would be Nikolai Ehlers health has made it so that that's not necessarily the case, even though on a per game basis, he's been phenomenal. I think what really, what really held Winnipeg back sometimes last season was that it really only had one top line center at a time. If you're looking strictly based on results, when Shifley was sort of snake bitten early, Dubois was pretty good. When Shifley had his hot streak late, uh, Dubois sort of fell off, and at no point did either of them, but especially Shifley last season put together a strong run of 200-foot play. You know, Dubois would in times, and and certainly that's a growing process, but Shifley's 200-foot game was quite poor last season. So I think the biggest turnaround for me is that Winnipeg has enjoyed, at least analytically, two top-line centers in almost every game that it's played. Part of that is because not only is Shifley scoring, but... His defensive game has gone from um, really quite a liability to something that is completely reasonable given what he creates. And he's he's also not had an easy run of it with so many of his linemates getting injured at different times, especially when Wheeler and Perfetti and Shifley had developed that chemistry. But I think that his season, Shifley's, is is a big part of it. And the other is a huge, enormous step forward for Pierre-Luc Dubois where he's playing an even better version of his game than last year, and so far, through 41 games, you're getting it most nights, almost every night. This most recent stretch has me an absolute believer that this guy is the number one center, not of the future, but of right now, and that strength down the middle, um, Lowry too, but not quite on that level, is what is a huge part of Winnipeg's success. You know
1: what? Uh, what is really interesting of these player cards, folks, and go check them out at the, uh, the piece at The Athletic, is... You know they have what the guy, what the player's salary is, but they also have what their market value is based on their performance this year. Let me just run through a few of these numbers that uh, have been put together by the uh, by the uh, the group. Connor Hellebuck's market value ten point five million. The surplus value is four point four. Josh Morrissey's number for this year, by their metrics and calculations, eleven point one million dollars based on the market and then you go to the forwards and Pierre-Luc Dubois they have him at 9.2 so a surplus of 3.2 Nikolai Ehlers and again this is a very small sample size but at 10 million surplus of four surprisingly Shifley is just at 6.7 which is a slight bump I would have thought that that might have been a a little bit higher and then of course Kyle Connor at 10 million which is a surplus of 2.9. Those examples, and again, some people will buy into more of those estimates more than others, but I think it shows the amount of players right now that are playing above what they may be signed for right now, and that's exactly what you need if you want to have a team that really takes a big run at a cup to get great performances from the guys around them and the guys that you're paying big money not only earn it, but exceed the value of the contract.
4: Yeah, especially when you have a team that's, you know, who is former captain, $8.25 is he's not likely to outperform that. And that's singling out one contract. So many teams, even the greats, can have one contract like that. Oh, yeah. Winnipeg spends a lot of money on its blue line, too. You know, you could go through Neil Pionk, Nate Schmidt, etc. So you're looking for those guys that you just mentioned to outperform their contracts by at least as much as, you know, they're losing elsewhere on, on the roster in terms of efficiency. And when every team in the NHL has the exact same amount of money to spend, at least from a cap perspective, then how you spend it, it beco- winning becomes an efficiency contest. How much bang per buck do you get? That's how, that's how you win in the NHL. And Winnipeg desperately needed, um, you know, a lot of their big-ticket guys to have big-ticket seasons this year. Sets up a scary future for Pierre-Luc Dubois' contract, perhaps. Um, but in terms of winning, that's absolutely what the what the jets i mean have needed this season. The other thing I just want to keep in mind is that these numbers are, some stats are meant to be a prediction of how good guys are in the future. Some, like, say, a total points that somebody has in a season, that's just a snapshot in time. I believe that the model that goes into these salary estimates is a little combination of both as well. Um, so results matter quite a bit, and the fact that these guys have put up a lot of points certainly works in their favor too.
1: Well, and listen, I mean, those are some of the big positives, the big pluses. The one guy, you mentioned his name, that is on the other end of the spectrum is Neil Pionk and you know he makes five nine their market value is league minimum and you know the one number that just stands out is this defensive number which is this year or i guess from last year at minus 20 and projected for this year at minus 27 um the team as a whole much better defensively the numbers are all better pionk has been chipping in offensively um where where does this come from, and what do you make of the uh, issues that Pionk has had defensively this season?
4: Yeah, Neil Pionk's season through 41 games defensively, in my mind, has not been good. I, I, there, there have been times early on in his Jets career where he was Winnipeg's best defenseman, uh, in my view. So he um, got the contract. <laughs> exactly right, right? And um, I think that perhaps since May... I mean, that's a bigger question, but I think maybe since about this time last year you know he had some injury trouble he had injury trouble even heading into the off season wherein he said he wouldn't play in the worlds because he needed time to get some things healed it hasn't been a really strong stretch of defending and what really shows up and remember winnipeg started this season with morrissey and pionk on the same pairing right and well if you broke down the video as i did in one of my pieces at the athletic that line had sorry that pairing had given up a lot of expected goals against and when you were looking for breakdowns usually it was on the pionk element of that pairing um where it was his man or his space or what have you that became the the issue and when you're looking at one of these things that the the analytics in this capacity will do really well is it'll go through all of the combinations of uh pionk with morrissey without morrissey with dylan without dylan and when all of those players expected goals metrics look better without Pionk, um, it really helps hurt his analytic case to be a strong defenseman right now. I will say these last two games, probably a step forward in terms of my, my view of, of his quickness, his assertiveness, some of the defensive plays that he's making, but then the puck hops over a stick and he's saddled with, I think another minus at that moment. Um, it's, just not been a strong defensive season for him. And maybe that gets into a little bit of the why.
1: Uh, Marana Tesh of The Athletic with us. Uh, Hey, before we go, um, and I'll direct people to The Athletic to check it out, Um, a really fun conversation with maybe the most fun guy to talk to on the Winnipeg Jets in Nate Schmidt. Uh, Fill people in a little bit on uh, what's waiting there from a little earlier this week on your sit-down with 88.
4: I mean, what a joy. What a pleasure. I um A little, just before he got hurt, I put this to athletic subscribers where we put out a call for questions where they could ask Nate Schmidt questions, not directly, but through me. Uh He, he got hurt, so that kind of put a little delay in it. But, you know, this weekend we were able to sit down and just from start to finish of that conversation, it was something like half an hour. It wasn't like most of half an hour, I think I'm going to say, is just a joy. It's just a treat. Like, he makes sure that, Um, that I'm comfortable, Like various other jets, Dylan Sandberg popped in for a couple of jokes. Sam Gagne swung by to say a word. Like it was kind of Nate Schmidt's social hour. Uh, So we have all the fun. (laughs) I ask all the fan questions and, um, you know, of course, he tees off for four minutes per, per question. He's talking about what he loves about Winnipeg. He's talking about, you know, how he's handling his snow shoveling and how embarrassed he is that he doesn't shovel as much as he used to. He shares some family news. Um, he talks. He answers silly questions like what he would do if he were given an elephant and couldn't give an elephant. So so all of the joy is there, Um, laughter throughout. And then at the end, it turns, and we have kind of an introspective conversation because one of the fans asked, well, what are the pressures that come with being seen as such a happy guy? And he gets into kind of his self-care, the journaling that he does, the self-talk that he has. And this guy who I think a lot of folks know how fun and funny he is, I mean, he has a really thoughtful side, and I think he knows what makes himself tick, and he talks about all of it. I, I just so pleased with that interview. It left me in a good mood for the rest of the day just to have that that excellent conversation, and I hope that if you haven't already read it, you do, and and you get a kick out of it, too.
1: Well, you know what? For folks that are still bent about last night's game, sit down with Nate Schmidt for half an hour. <laughs> then sit down with Marana Tesh, and maybe get you more ready for the game tomorrow against the Buffalo Sabers. Just on the way out, and more back-to-backs, uh, Buffalo's lost a couple at home. We just talked to Marty Barron. They're a team that's been had some real highs and some real lows so far this season. Uh, what do you expect from the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow coming out of uh, what happened last night in Motown?
4: Yeah, I just think a, a renewed commitment to process. I don't think that they were, it, it was such a horrible game, which sounds weird given they gave up seven and six with a goalie in the net. I think doubling down on getting the little things right is going to be what they need to do because i once upon a time wasn't a tage thompson believer now i am there's some offense to be weary of from the buffalo sabers right now
1: yeah tage thompson's one of the great stories in hockey over the course of the last few years turning into i mean a full-fledged superstar and a guy that signed that deal speaking of exceeding market value i'm doing it right now already past the 30 goal mark on the season and that Jets are going to need to be getting ready for uh, for the Buffalo Sabers tomorrow night. Marat, always a pleasure. Had to bring up that chat with Nate because it was one of the most fun reads I've had in a long, long time. Hopefully, people will go check it out. And uh, you be well, stay warm. and We'll catch up next week.
4: Right on, Huss. Thanks,
1: thanks for having me. There it is at WPG Marat Marat Atesh on Twitter. Make sure to get to the Athletic, subscribe, and check out all the great content Marat has for us. All right. We got to get to some bomber talk. Uh, Just before we do that, though, when we talk bombers on this program, all our bomber reports are brought to you by a great sponsor, the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk, Princess Auto. You know them well. They're the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Proud sponsors of the Bombers. WST, and of course, Team Jennifer Jones, Team Reed Carruthers will be uh, having some speaks with them over the course of the next few weeks on the program. But in the meantime, pop on down and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, uh, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West, or you can shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Got to give a big shout out to Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery as well. We know, folks, that... It is the time of the year that, um, well, sometimes the car won't start. You can't be having that. That has to be rectified immediately. And the best way to do that is uh, make sure your battery's good to go. And uh, hey, listen, best way to do it, if you're wondering whether you got the life to get you through the winter, pop on down to 26, uh, 1026 Logan Avenue. And see Donnie and the gang. They'll give you a quick free test. And if you need one, you'll get the best price on a battery in town. Shopping local at Manitoba Battery. Uh, But if you're clunked out, the car's not starting at home, and you know you need one, save time, save money, save gas. Give them a call. They'll deliver it to you anywhere in the city. And if you get that order in by 3 p.m., you'll get it the same day. Nobody services Winnipegers like Manitoba Battery and saves you time and money like Donnie and his team does. Find out more online as well at manitobabattery.com. Give them a call or pop down to 20, uh, 1026 Logan Avenue. Um, our friends at Culligan Water, of course, are the water experts in town. Water softeners, filters, bottle water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, and commercial and industrial water products and solutions make sure you get down there to 10 12, uh, 1200 sergeant avenue give them a call at 694-5180 or find out everything that culligan do, can do for you and your family online at drink and hey don't forget big cheers to the new year to our friends at canadian club Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Great deals on right now at Manitoba Liquor Marts. Lowest price you'll see all year on Canadian Club CC Reserve 12-year and a brand new rye from the Beam Suntory family, Reichel rye as well on at big, big discounts. Check them both out right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, we've talked a lot of hockey today, but the CFL meetings are going on in Kananaskis and was a great opportunity after yesterday's show to connect one-on-one and discuss the Bombers off-season with the guy making the moves. That, of course, is Bomber General Manager Kyle Walters now on WST. Kyle, what's going on? It's great to talk to you again,
0: and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, things are good. Didn't uh, You know, Got just got in this morning and doing the media circuit here, and we'll jump into meetings uh, Jump into meetings all night tonight and all day tomorrow and, and back to Winnipeg Thursday.
1: You know, obviously we want to focus on the Bombers in this upcoming offseason and the season ahead, but I've got to ask you, I mean, from a general manager's perspective, what happens at these meetings? What are you guys up to?
0: Uh, you know, it's rare for all of us to be in a room at the same time. So tonight with the head coaches and the general managers, we'll, you know, football talk uh the the interesting one for me so this the collective bargaining agreement got it got done right before training camp last year so any of the major tweaks and changes they weren't able to implement them so it will be nice tonight to get a refresher course on all of the changes to the cba heading into this next year um you know and then just the general tomorrow will be the general state of the league from a business standpoint and and just sitting sitting and listening and and kind of hearing the direction of the league from from the from the big wigs
1: what uh, what are the changes that are maybe most pertinent to your job as uh, the general manager?
0: Well, some of the little things about, you know, it was the big battle back and forth, from what I understand, you know, during the negotiations of the number of Canadians on the field. So currently there's seven Canadian starters on the field you play with, and and there was talk about going down to five or six, and, and that, that was the big battle. So uh, it's very interesting that now they've sort of agreed that a couple Canadian starters can be replaced by Americans for a certain percentage of the game next year. So it, it maybe does affect your week to week roster in the sense that the old days of, you know, if you're starting a Canadian, the Canadian, you have to have a backup Canadian, but moving forward, maybe you don't because, you know, maybe that Canadian starter on your roster can split time with an American. So little things like that, that you, you know, how does it affect your roster and the, you know, the global plan and all and all of that so just my, minor things that that you head into the offseason maybe the way you tweak your roster some slight changes nothing major but just little things that that may affect the way you plan you
1: know I'm glad you brought that up because uh, you know we've spent a lot of time talking about it and it was a hot topic around CFL circles we went in the one question I have is how is that going to be managed during the game like I mean, yep. you know, you guys always know who the starters are, but I mean, does this fundamentally change? Is there going to be need to be someone that's literally counting guys
0: and knowing who's who every play? But that is an awesome question because they brought that up when we were at the, when we were at the Grey Cup. Um, we just had a quick little meeting and that topic was brought up because, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, in any line of work, you know, the way it is the the, the powers that be make <laughs> make decisions. And this is what, you know, when the two when the two sides get together and then it's like, well, how to your point, how on earth is this going to actually be counted? And and you're right. The CFL has to have a group of people in stands and they're they're manually counting how many Canadians or who's on there and all that stuff. So it will be, uh, you know, and obviously after the fact, you can go back and double check your math, but, you know, to be accurate in game, they need to have an actual live uh, uh, count in the moment of snap counts for Canadians and Americans, which I'm glad I'm not responsible for that. Cause that seems like a fairly challenging situation every single play in a CFL game.
1: Yeah. Logistics are everything. In, in these sort of things, and that will be interesting to hear how all that turns out. Um, I agree. Kyle, uh, you know, obviously it was a heartbreaker in the big game for, uh, for the blue bombers. And since then you've resigned a number of key, you know, uh, pillars of this football team, Willie Jefferson, of course, Stanley Bryant, most recently I've got to ask you about your conversations, negotiations with those guys. Is it, um, We've talked a lot about we're expecting this season to be almost an unfinished business tour for the Blue Bombers, considering the way things ended. Is that what you're getting from your key players that are coming back?
0: Yeah, you know what? After the year, we sat down with the coaches and, you know, we're we lose we lose a, a tough game but we were that close to being three in a row. So, you know, yeah. organizationally, we feel, you know, we still got a core, we're, we're getting a little older, we're, we got a veteran group and, and we are cognizant of that, but we're still very competitive. And, you know, these guys, some like Stanley, who's, you know, just keeps winning outstanding lineman of the year, every yeah. single year. And, you know, you, you, You just can't make change for the sake of making change. So these guys have earned the right to to come back and, and, you know, we meet with the coaches and figure out, you know, in your little positional group, who's the most important keys. And we put a lot, we put a lot of discussion into not just on field, um, performance, But who, who are the leaders? Who are the, some of the guys that you might not, the fans might not particularly know as a, you know, a statistical standout, but these are the guys that are every bit as important to the guys that are putting up the stats that, that, you know, we put a lot of, I think we put more weight into those type of players in our organization than most. So, you know, those guys, we need to get back as well. And you try to weigh everything out of how we bring back the the, the statistical leaders and the talent as well as the kind of the behind the scenes leaders that, that lead in a different direction or a different method, I would say. Um,
1: you know, there's still plenty of uh, work to be done for you and your office over the course of the off season. I mean, uh, some very key players that still hopefully from Bomber fans perspective will be resigned. I mean, the likes of Jackson Jeffcoat, Nick Demsky, very important players. I mean, what can you tell us about how conversations are going on? Is it a, numerous conversations each and every day with a bunch of different representatives, or do you kind of knock them down one by one and where's it all at?
0: Yeah. You know what we've, I'm, I'm I'm quite optimistic. Some of the names that you're mentioning will get announced shortly. So I've, we've had a lot of irons in the fire. I've I've changed my, after the 2021 gray cup where the, the, it ended in, mid-December and then free agent it was chaos with all the free agents and I said I can't possibly do that ever again so uh, just was such the short time so I've made a concerted effort this year to start talks throughout the year with the agents on bye weeks trying to not make it a distraction and not announce many guys during the year but we've had a lot of productive talks with a lot of the guys that you're mentioning and you know Nick's going to come in Friday when I get back and I can't imagine why you know I think we're almost close I Jackson's not going to be far off so we're you know we're to, to, I guess, a long-winded answer. A lot of irons in the fire constantly, and I think they're all kind of coming together.
1: You know, all that being said, you mentioned the team. You know, when you have a team that's had the success and the way that you've kept it together, I mean, it does get older. And I mean, frankly, especially last year, I mean, most of the, it was probably the quietest free agency period for the Bombers because most of your work had been done to keep players. Um, When you look ahead to CFL free agency this year, do you anticipate it being similar or um, do you think you might be more active in tweaking the roster and changing it up through free agency?
0: No, I think it'll be similar, as I said, once, once you start putting the price points of, you know, the guys that you mentioned, aren't uh, those veteran guys that are good, are uh, they don't come cheap. So, you know, by the time you've locked up all of your veteran leaders, there's not a lot left. And, you know, I think back, back when we were just starting this and free agency was chaos for us, we'd be, you know, overhauling your roster and, and, and you'd, you'd look down the road and, and Calgary would do nothing. Like that was every year. This was back, you know, five, six years ago. And I, you know, I would say, boy, we got to get to the point like Calgary, where free agency comes and goes and they don't do anything because they've got the roster they need. They don't need many changes. And 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 one of the things I'm most proud of, because as I said, I would say that all the time. And it it was back then, Husserl where, you know, I would have agents just say, Kyle, stop. We're not coming there like we're, it doesn't matter you're embarrassing yourself don't don't quit offering us money we'll never come to Winnipeg i remember those days and now it's you know begging players to come here and now we've come full circle to you know the, the the way i i wanted it which was the calgary method of you know you don't need to free agency should be quiet you don't need to massively overhaul your roster when you've got a good roster and and we do
1: well and, and you know a part of that is the success you guys are having on the field I'd imagine another big part of that is what players say to other players about what Winnipeg and this organization has become. And also what the Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans have been bringing to the game, game in and game out. I mean, we had talked before that, you know, the Banjo Bowl was the big event of the year, and you look to have the other games maybe come close to that. Um, I'm sure you'd agree that last season was... I mean, every game was an event. Every game was amazing, and you saw the crowds and crowds grow. How how much has that helped what you're trying to do in the off season when you get guys to sign on the dotted line to be in blue and gold?
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's if we're we're having players stay for less money. Truth be told, over the past few years, and and understanding that you know the playoff money and the the, uh, the things that you're talking about playing in Winnipeg and and playing in front of you, there, there's it's hard. It, You can't put a price on that stuff. You know what I mean? And the the the, the, Ron Lancaster always used to say every single year, Ron would say, um, you know, after the season, he'd say, "Just be careful. The grass isn't always greener." And we got a pretty good thing here, and that's very, very true. That you know, it's hard to put a monetary dollar value on on quality of life and quality of work experience, and and that is. What we have in our organization right now, and you're seeing it—that the guys, the guys want to be here. It's, it's right, right from Wade through Mike all the way down through the coaches. We, you know, we do things the way I think it's supposed to be done. And and then the fans—I mean, it's awesome in our league to be able to play in front of fans like that every single day. And yeah, you and I talked about it. It was the, the million-dollar question of you know how do we replicate the Banjo Bowl? How how can we have such a wild environment that one time a year? And it's like, well, this year it seemed like there was there was nine of those wild environments and it was, it was awesome or 10, I guess with the playoffs. So.
1: No, well, you you have, and uh, I think that's only helping on uh, all sides of the game. And I can tell you from listening to people in Winnipeg sports talk each and every day, Can't wait to get back to that stadium and um, see you guys try and uh, make another run at another great cup. Kyle Walters, blue bomber general manager with us. Uh, Hey, listen, if players aren't playing, if they're in the CFL, it seems most want to be here in Winnipeg. Obviously the NFL um, is always a threat to players. And we found out one, this, I think maybe for some people was a little off the radar and Tyrell Ford signing with the Packers. Um, Did that one catch you off guard at all? And um, what do you make of uh, that opportunity for a young player in your organization?
0: So here, here's what happens with the NFL. So first of all, for a player, the NFL has, each team has to send a, a request to, to me. So once the request, just to meet with Terrell and work them out. So once these requests started getting up to seven or eight teams, you're like, well, there's some genuine interest yeah. there. So uh, once you get that many workouts, someone's going to offer him a contract, and it was Green Bay. And I spoke to the people in Green Bay, and I, you know, I said just curiosity, you know, walk me through the process because Terrell didn't play much for us this year. And I said I'm, I'm certain you guys weren't watching him cover kicks or punts, which is where he did, you know, the majority of his work this year. And, and you know, just to let everybody know, here's, here's organizationally, here's the way the NFL works. Certain teams where they went back, and the Green Bay Packers looked at every pro day and looked at the guys who weren't in the NFL. And Terrell Terrell Ford's Pro Day numbers are NFL quality upper percentile the kid's a phenomenal athlete he was a virtual unknown coming from waterloo showed up at the university of buffalo pro day and people were like who is this kid and just blew the blew the, the numbers off the table tested like an nfl player so now they go circle back and they do their due diligence and say where are all these guys that, that tested like this and and terrell ford played a year of professional football he's a year older he's a great kid and and it was literally based on his performance on his height weight speed um and that he's a young man with a huge upside there's zero risk for the green bay packers to sign him and give him a chance because as i said athletically he he tests and looks like an nfl defensive back
1: well you know where i'm going with this other one because i think there was a guy that did have a lot of playing time as a rookie and that was dalton shown yep. what an amazing season he had i think everyone expected there'd be plenty of nfl interest what are you hearing on dalton so- and uh what are the chances that he's back in blue and gold next season? At least at this point in your mind.
0: And here's the interesting difference. So, so I just explained the Terrell Ford scenario from an NFL team standpoint. Dalton's had some NFL workouts, but everybody knows Dalton Schoen in the NFL. He played in the pack or in the Big Twelve, played Kansas State, had NFL opportunity. So every NFL organization has a scouting report on Dalton Schoen. They have all the numbers. They know everything about him. They know nothing about Terrell Ford. So Terrell Ford was the the enigma that they're going to give a question mark. So what's going on with Dalton right now, you know, they know all the numbers. So they're going to go back and study all the film and say, did we miss anything on this guy? How is it that he didn't have success or given the opportunity to have success in the NFL? He goes up to the CFL and has an unbelievable season now. Are the reasons that he had success in the CFL, uh, was it the waggle, was it the sitting in the zones, using his brain, all, all that stuff, and it are are his skills that we're seeing on film in the CFL going to translate to the NFL, and that's what they're doing right now, so I'm not sure, as I said, but it's very, very very different between the Terrell Ford and the Dalton Schoen, because they, Dal- they know everything about Dalton Schoen from when he came out, and now they're they're going to sit and watch all the game film. Whereas with Terrell, they watch no game film and they'll just have to see if Dalton, they think he can, what did, what did they miss? And, and does he get another opportunity?
1: No, that is a really interesting, uh, interesting answer. And it does make a lot of sense because I mean, yeah. Ford was somewhat off the radar where, you know, a guy like shown that played a K state. I mean, there'd yep. be plenty of eyes on all of those games. They go through. 100%, 100%. Kyle, um, where, where are things at with the global uh, initiative right now? And and I, and I have to ask you, I mean, and maybe this is, maybe I'm too focused on the Bombers, but I mean, you think of Hanson and, I mean, hell, Les Morrow was just playing in the Rice Bowl or whatever a couple of weeks ago, playing back in Japan in the offseason. There's a guy that loves football. Um, he sure does. What, is, what has been the key to the success of the Bombers, maybe as opposed to other teams with the guys that you've come in that have really made an impact at times when you've needed them?
0: Well, you know what? It, it's like when it, we took the same philosophy that we in the global draft that we do in the Canadian draft. You you gotta draft some guys that are going to be, be given an opportunity to get on the field. And there's no use drafting a global receiver because you're, he's not beating out Dalton, Schoen or, or any like because they have to play for Americans like that. They can't they can't play for Canadians. So uh, skill wise, offensively, it just makes no sense. So we focused on all right. Well, let's try to find some globals that that can cover some kicks and maybe start like we do with the sort of the your, uh, your 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 later round canadian draft picks is all right let's draft these guys let's get them some reps on special teams and let's get them comfortable in the cfl and see how they go and and so it's just you know i think we've drafted guys and given them an opportunity to win a spot on the game day roster because certain guys just wouldn't certain guys you see drafted they wouldn't have a chance. So, you know, you, we'll take that same approach this year. And can we find guys that can maybe help on special teams? And, you know, there'll be a few more Australian punters in this draft once again, you know, to, to, to look through. And, you know, we'll we'll see. But as I said, we try to And with Richie. Here's what Richie does on defense, which is very unique in our league. Uh, and I think uh, he does an awesome job going, and it makes, you know, the continuity of our team and the team morale in that, particularly in that defensive room. If you're dressed, uh, you know, Richie doesn't care if you're German, Japanese, you're from Waterloo or you're from University of Texas. You're going to play. You know what I mean? He's he's going to get you out there, and you're going to take a few snaps a game. And and you saw it last year. Some of those guys that that get out there, they give Richie all they got. And and it it's as I said, it's it's really good in in for what we do as a team. And then Richie and the defensive staff does an awesome job of making sure every single guy in that defensive room, regardless of where they're from, regardless of their pedigree, that they get to help us play defense on on game days.
1: Kyle, uh, maybe the biggest re-signing of the offseason wasn't one of the guys we've talked about, but is, of course, the leader of your football club, and that's Mike O'Shea. I've just got to ask you about how that comes to be. Does Osh have an agent? Does he do it himself? Is it with you and Wade? Is that done? uh, and, And maybe beyond that, just, I mean, your thoughts on uh, having Mike back for another three years to lead this football club.
0: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, it starts at the top and we talk about continuity and, and Mike's built this, the culture that, that you're seeing and all the things that I'm talking about with, with, you know, what that you and I have discussed about the culture and the team and the and the veteran status and the continuity and everybody on defense playing. It starts with Mike because that's, that's what he believes in his philosophy and, and yeah, you know, Mike... Mike just never wanted to talk about his contract, and he will just, you know, him and Wade, him and Wade, sit down at the end of the year and just sort it out. And you know, there wasn't really much doubt that it would get done. And he just prefers to kind of not not deal with it until he's ready.
1: I know from your perspective, that's certainly one hole that you didn't want to fill. And it's great to have O'Shea back, um, back being being the yep. guy calling the shots. Kyle, before we go, I mean, you've got a job that is a 12-month-a-year job. The phone's always on, but I've got to ask you, do you get a time to get away at all? Is there a vacation for it? And uh, how realistic well, is that?
0: It's funny. Jack and I were just talking about that, looking at our calendars to see when, you know, when can we and the kids get away and do something? And you start, well, no, gee, February's free agency, you got all the draft work and then you're into early March is the is the regional combine and then you got your main combine. So maybe March March break for in Winnipeg falls like the last, you know, the last week of March, early April. So we're maybe targeting kind of after the after the the CFL draft combines kind of before your, you know, before the final draft meetings get set in that kind of two-week window end of March, early April. Hopefully we can find some time.
1: Well, listen—you uh, certainly earned it. Um, can't wait for the upcoming season. All the best to you and the gang out at the uh, CFL Winter Meetings. We'll look forward to some of those announcements from our pal DC coming up on some of the guys that we've been talking about. Fingers crossed! And one hundred percent, you'll hear it. All, all the best to you, Kyle. Thanks for doing this, and uh, have a great off season. We'll chat yeah, soon. You too. All right. Awesome chat with Kyle Walters. Really enjoyed that. Some really neat insight from Walters, especially that business, uh, you know, about Trey Ford and Dalton Schoen. I'll tell you what, one thing I did leave that conversation with with Kyle Walters is maybe a little more optimism that Dalton Schoen might be back here, taking it to the house again from Zach Caleros in blue and gold next season. Thanks again to Kyle Walters for making the time for us today on WST. All right, we've got a few things to get to. We want to get to Cool Bet Lines. First of all, I've got to thank Nick and Nikki, Nick and Nikki DQ, for their great support at WST. You know them well. They've been with us since day one. And one of the most popular sponsors of WST for obvious reasons, because it's the best. Four locations, DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, pop by, tell them WST sent you. Try one of those great blizzards. And if you haven't, Blizzard cakes. Ice cream cakes, unreal. Blizzard cakes, taking it to a whole nother level. Uh, if you want to order one, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make it for you however you want for a quick and easy pickup at any of the Nick and Nicky DQs. When you go in to grab it, try one of those stack burgers as well. And our friends at Little Brown Jug are ready for January They've got an amazing Good Times Variety Pack right now containing four all-new beers, including a Stout, a Rye Extra Special Bitter, Kolsch, and West Coast IPA. Grab it and try them all at Little Brown Jug, your Liquor Marts, or anywhere that sells good beer. And hey, are you participating in Dry January? Try Bright Water, Winnipeg's only local sparkling water made with high-quality, all-natural extracts and filtered dechlorinated water. Bright water is zero proof, zero sweetener, and zero calorie. So you can consume consciously. Order from littlebrownjug.ca or bright, B R I T E hyphen um, All right, let's get Remo back in here. And by the way, any of you discussing trades in chat, Michael Remus is not on the market. Untouchable here on WST. Um, Rimo, how about that chat with Kyle Walters? Man, that was interesting. Really
2: cool hearing him talk about, uh, you know, why Dalton Schoen may not get the looks that you think, you know, that he may have gotten and why uh, Ford got signed yesterday to Green Bay. Um, you know, seems like they uh, broke it down really nicely that Ford, hey, he's got good uh, workout numbers and they want to see how that translates with Dalton Schoen, and like okay, we've already worked him out. And it didn't, it didn't work. So, um, I don't know. I, I thought Dalton Schoen was worthy of a, look. maybe they don't think he doesn't have a, you know, the speed or whatever, but Hey, you he look, look pretty damn good here leading the league in receiving Uh kind of surprising. That wouldn't be, wouldn't get yes, a sir.
1: contract. We can only hope he gets overlooked by the national football league. And he uh, <laughs> comes back to the Winnipeg blue bombers, some great bomber news though. And again, all our Bomber reports here brought to you by our friends at Princess Auto. Uh, but the Hardrick hop is back. Bombers today, as Kyle sort of alluded to, um, had a few deals done. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick is back with a one-year extension. The Nebraska product returns to the Bombers for a seventh season season. Started 17 games last year at right tackle for the Bombers and part of an offense that finished second in offensive points, first in touchdowns, second in rushing yards, while yielding the second fewest sacks. Of course, Stanley Bryant gets a lot of the accolades, and hey, three top offensive linemen awards in four years. will do that. But Hardrick's a huge part of this Bomber offense, and great to have him back as well. Um, Before we get to the line, uh, Remo, we should mention... uh, We've been talking a lot about All-Stars. Obviously, Peter Boer is going to be the head coach of the Central Division in Florida. Josh Morrissey will be there. Continue your civic duty, voting for those Jets 10 times a day at NHL.com. But, Rima, we found out who's going to be representing the Manitoba Moose in the AHL All-Star game amongst a number of, um, I would say, worthy possibilities. Yeah, we were... And we kind of overlooked uh, talk about all Bell's NHL
2: All-Star, but there's also the AHL All-Star game. And Declan Chisholm, defenseman, who, you know, he's played a couple games here with the Jets over the last couple years. I thought he's looked pretty good. And he's been named the All-Star Classic uh, February 5 and 6 in Laval. Second on the Moose with 22 points in 30 games. And he's got 19 assists, which lead the Moose. And what, three power play goals as well. Um, what is he eighth in points for defenseman? So having a great season down there, you wonder if he'd ever get a look here, but it just seems there's so many defensemen ahead of him. And I thought, what was that game last year? He came in, he played, uh, pretty well, but played
1: very well, hmm. you know, Chisholm is, I think is going to play in the national hockey league. I think he'll play here in Winnipeg. Um, the big question is when that will happen. Um, and how this blue line is going to look next year. I mean, you know, you've got young players like Billy Hanela, Dylan Sandberg that are already sort of in or on the cusp of being in the lineup on a regular basis. Logan Stanley's status, I think, is very much up in the air considering how little he's played so far this year. Um, but those contracts of the big five up top are still carrying through into next season as well. So still very, very crowded on the uh, Jet blue line and the Moose blue line as well. It's funny, Chisholm. I feel like this guy's been around for a while.
2: He's only twenty-two years old, Huss. Although hey, his birthday is tomorrow, uh, Declan Chisholm. So he's turning twenty-three tomorrow. And uh I mean he had some great offensive numbers, sixty nine points, really nice number in his last season in Peterborough. That's nineteen twenty, and he's in his third, you know, third season with the Moose now. Uh, I don't know. He's just, he's just so blocked here. Uh, there, as you said, those guys are under contract for next year. So I don't know how this guy gets any playing time uh, in Winnipeg. So you have been waiting for a, you know, a trade for a defenseman for a forward at some point. I don't know. Is he a guy that they would move? Cause like, what like where would he ever play with the jets? There's so many guys ahead of him. Like who's getting moved here?
1: No, listen, it is a, uh, it, it is a very, very good point. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. Um, we'll have to get Fink on coming up over the uh, the next couple of days. And I guess not this weekend, but next weekend, um, January 21st and January 22nd, Texas is here to take on the Manitoba Moose. And uh, we've got some tickets. So we'll be doing a contest on that. Um, we're going to do that through the website. I yeah, guess we'll I got that up next week. I got to make it on, on
2: our website, but we'll have tickets uh, away.
1: Pay attention to that. We'll mention it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And hey, just before we quickly hit uh, the latest NFL news, Don't forget tonight, if you're, uh, no Jets game on the slate. If you're looking to get out and see an incredible, incredible hockey game, I think we've got one coming up at the Ice Cave tonight. Winnipeg Ice, Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, Obviously, we don't get the same sort of information and coverage on these teams on game day. uh, But a good chance that uh, Zach Ostchuk, the uh, big acquisition by the Winnipeg Ice, makes his debut And we could very well see Jets first-rounder Brad Lambert make his debut for the visitors, the Seattle Thunderbirds, as he was assigned there earlier this year. We'll have six players, likely, from Canada's national junior team that just won the gold medal in the game tonight. And I would imagine a number of Winnipeg Ice players that weren't on the team that'll... Maybe we come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder heading into tonight's game. Actually, I, we'll see what the lines are on that one as well, coming up uh, over at Cool Bed. I'm just going to give some quick NFL news and notes, and the best news, Demar Hamlin discharged from hospital in Buffalo. I, mean, I have to tell you, I mean, considering how dire things looked, what was it, nine days ago? It seems like nothing short of a miracle that this young man has been discharged from the hospital today it's a an unbelievable
2: story that he had cardiac arrest on the field was given CPR taken to the hospital. And now you know, he, when he left the hospital, in Cincinnati, went to Buffalo hospital, got discharged. Um, absolutely amazing, remarkable story. Uh, what fantastic work by the trainers there in Buffalo who were able to recognize the situation in a split second uh, and go right into action. Um, I like get um, you get chills, and it was like Monday Night, like the biggest game of the year on Monday Night Football, the two best teams, um, two what of a, the best teams. What? Two, two of, of the best. Two teams. of the three best teams in the league. <laughs> right, hustler. <laughs> two of the three best in teams. the AFC. <laughs> um, crazy. So, I mean, this the story keeps getting uh, better. Better and better. Oh, and then you have, what, everyone donating to his GoFundMe? Who knows what's going to happen with that Yeah, now? that
1: toy drive, over $8 million there. So um, there has been some positives. But the most important thing is the health of the young man. Um, Hamlin discharged today. As far as the playoffs go for the weekend, uh, the Dolphins have ruled Tua out. I don't think there's any question that he should not be playing. And I think there's some major questions about his future after the three concussions this year. And it sounds like Skylar Thompson is going to be the Miami quarterback going into Buffalo to take on the Bills. That line has moved big time. We'll tell you about that in a minute with that move. And, you know, this is something that I think I've mentioned this a few times. I've been very skeptical as to what's happening behind the scenes with Lamar Jackson. There had been some rumors that he hadn't entirely been all in into his rehab from this injury, of course, The elephant in the room is the fact that the Ravens have not been able to sign him to an extension. And Lamar Jackson is still not practicing. And Huntley is not throwing either for the Ravens. You'd have to think that it would take, speaking of miracles, a miracle for them without their top two quarterbacks to beat the Bengals in the jungle on the weekend.
2: Yeah, I couldn't figure out why they wouldn't just give him whatever he wanted. This guy is an amazing quarterback. doesn't make, you see everyone else getting paid and... I don't I mean I don't know if that's why he's not playing or, or if he's hurt I'm not sure but you're down your two quarterbacks it's funny look at the matchups this weekend you talk about Miami with their third string Skylar Thompson I see someone in rating chat Jeff Kabel Skylar who and, <laughs> and exactly I mean, you didn't watch that riveting what was it a 9-6 game with uh, uh, it the actually jets.
1: ended 11-6 with the safety on the final play which screwed anybody that oh. had miami plus three and a half i was gonna say jets that
2: plus three and a half almost screwed me in fantasy because i had garrett wilson lose his 100 yard bonus with like oh! the back i I, I don't know I, I didn't actually see the play i just saw that he lost 16 yards on and then lateral um <laughs> And then, oh yeah, then you have Baltimore against today. So two of the games you're already into like lower quarterbacks. Uh, that's that's a tough. Scene. I know, know the line has moved. Was it minus seven yesterday? Now it's minus eight and a half for the Bengals.
1: Yeah, we'll get to those in just a second. One other thing, and this is going to be fun. Let's quickly go through this. The NFL desperately trying to maintain some sort of relevancy and interest in the Pro Bowl. Has changed the Pro Bowl, of course, to a flag football game this year. And I can't say that that doesn't make sense considering how violent the game is and how little does the Pro Bowl actually mean. But today, the NFL announced all eight skills competitions for its rebanked Pro Bowl on Wednesday. Uh, the Five of the events will be on Feb 2 uh, at the Vegas Raiders uh, headquarters. They'll be televised but not open to the public. And the other are on Feb 5th at Allegiant Stadium, and tickets are on for a sale. So here we got a dodgeball tournament, a three-part elimination contest called the Lightning Round, a golf ball longest drive contest, a quarterback passing challenge in the first round of the best catch game, the stadium contest of the finals of the best catch event, a relay race through an obstacle course, a special teams competition and a strength contest using first down chains. I'll be honest. I think I probably will check some of this out and I am totally cool with them doing stupid things like a long drive contest um, involving some of the stars of the NFL, because the bottom line is we don't want these guys getting hurt any more than they do through the, uh, through the regular season. I have no idea who's going to be in it. And, Geez, maybe we can get some odds at Coolbet on the dodgeball tournament, Rima. Once we know who's in it,
2: yeah. Can you bet on this? Is there fantasy? Uh, for it? <laughs> there you, has like, to be. There has to be. If they they can find a way to incorporate like a DraftKings lineup or you know Coolbet odds on longest drive, yeah, I think that's fun because we always like betting on what hardest shot and three point competition. they used to do like a skills competition where they have the quarterbacks thrown into a target and Yeah, and they'd have receivers with catching balls. They
1: I remember they did some QB challenge or something. So I think you said sorry. Just there's going to be a a kicking competition as well, like uh, you know punting into like a tic tac toe or
2: something like that. It's like each it's called kick tac toe. Each team's kicker, punter, and long snapper compete in a giant
1: tic tac toe competition to showcase their skills. The long snappers getting a little bit of love at the Pro Bowl. About time. Yes. Big, big event for the long snappers. And I would love, I don't know what they're going to have. I would love to see them bring out, you know, much like we do the hardest shot. Like, I'd love to see in a controlled climate to see the best kickers, like trying to hit 70-yard bombs or something like that. Maybe going back and forth like a uh, a game of horse, if you will. With the kickers that would be neat anyways if you're into the pro bowl there's a little bit of info for you uh as far as the lines go right now let's get over to cool bet and see what's cooking niners nine and a half point favorites still against the seahawks charger line it sounds like mike williams is going to be able to play charger numbers gone up slightly minus one and a half they're favored minus 125 on the money line that's up from minus 118 yesterday the jags yesterday were even money They're now plus 107 and a one and a half point home underdog. And the biggest line movement today, and that comes off the news that we just heard about Tua and Teddy Bridgewater is the Dolphins are now 12 and a half point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills in the game at noon on Sunday. Vikings still three point favorites and the Bengals now from seven and a half to eight and a half point favorites against the Ravens as could be two teams with third-string quarterbacks playing in the playoffs this weekend, and then of course the Monday Night Football game. This one's come down slightly. I saw last night it was minus three for the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys now minus two and a half point favorites on the road in Tampa in the Monday Nighter, looking to beat Tampa Bay for the first or for the Tom Brady for the first time in franchise history.
2: Yeah, Monday Night Football on ESPN with uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I think that might have been one of the biggest uh, off-season acquisitions, Huss. ESPN getting uh, Joe Buck and Troy, the games just seem uh, well, they're getting better games now because of them. I think mean, it's a much better broadcast as well, and I don't know, can Tom Brady keep it going here on Monday night? He's at home. He hasn't looked great at times this year, but maybe this is one of the games where uh, you know, he was able to find it and hit Chris Godwin, hit Mike Evans for some, uh, for some points, because Look, Dak, he, he's at times this year, he's turned the ball over as well. So uh, I think that is, that's the marquee. Is that the marquee game of the weekend, the Monday night on the Super Bowl? Uh, Card? You
1: know what? I would think so. I mean, you know, some of these, Like, I'm really looking forward to this Chargers-Jags game. I mean, to yes. me, that's the most interesting game. It's the closest game by point spread. Um, some of these other games we expect to be real ass kickings. I mean, that Niner game, nine and a half point. You got a 12 point favorite, an eight and a half point favorite. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, to me, Bucks, Cowboys, Giants, Vikings, Jags, Chargers, the most interesting games on the board this week. By the way, if you're at Cool Bet, you can get futures for you know everyone win the AFC, win the NFC, win the Super Bowl, and some interesting specials for the wildcard round, including the highest scoring team and the lowest scoring team. All the odds are up there. Buffalo scheduled to be the favorite for the highest scoring team and their opponent. The Miami Dolphins, the lowest scoring team, which explains that 12 and a half point spread Um, tonight. The NHL four games, Capitals minus one seventy seven faves in Philly against the Flyers. Leafs don't believe Austin Matthews playing tonight. Minus one eighty one for Toronto home to the Nashville Predators. Edmonton needs a win. Jack Campbell starting. Stewie Skins is off having a baby uh oilers minus 253 to break their losing streak in anaheim against the ducks and the la kings a big favorite minus 206 at home against the san jose sharks and just quickly we don't normally hit junior hockey but we do have this massive game tonight between the seattle thunderbirds and the winnipeg ice and yes you can bet on that too if you like and this number's come down a bit. I saw it earlier today. It was minus 167 for the Ice, plus 125 for the Thunderbirds. Ice now minus 154 favorites, and the Seattle Thunderbirds plus 116. What'll be interesting is there's a lot of players coming back and playing for the first time since returning to the team. And again, still waiting on official word, but for anyone that goes out to the Ice Cave tonight, we'll be uh, hoping we might get a chance to see Brad Lambert in his first game in the Western League Green.
2: Yeah, that's. Uh... That'll be pretty cool. It seems like it's gonna be a great atmosphere tonight at the Ice Cave slash Wayne Fleming Arena. I don't know if you knew this, Huss, um just for on that Leafs uh Ducks game. No, Leafs uh, National game tonight. Sorry, it's Oilers Ducks. Um Austin Matthews, he's not playing. Keldon Keefe says something that's been bothering him for a while. I saw some speculation that the Leafs are going with that they're exercising load management here. In the NHL, I'm not sure he hasn't what, <laughs> hasn't uh, hasn't missed a game this year. Production hasn't really been what it was last year. Uh, Leafs locked in that what pretty much locked in that playoff round against Tampa.
1: Oh yeah, I mean put the tickets on sale right now. The Leafs are playing Tampa in the first round of the playoffs. I mean we pretty much yep. can you can set dates if they want for both Tampa and uh, Toronto. we'll see who gets home ice. probably Toronto. I don't think anyone's catching Boston. And sure as hell, no one in that division is catching Tampa or Toronto. It, it is hilarious that we're at the halfway point of the season. And we know exactly what one of the matchups are going to be in the first round. Yeah,
2: can we, I think that we can agree then that this uh, this playoff format that's where you locked in your division is absolutely stupid. And uh, Because, hey, again, teams are locked in. And you have two teams. Are they better than the teams in the Metro? Yeah, they're pretty even. But you know what? I'm glad you brought
1: this up right now. Let's just get to these con- the conference standings and what would the what would the matchups be right now
2: sure, here, at look. the
1: midway point. And again, you know, some teams have played a couple more games than the others. Let's just, we'll just go with the points as far as points percentage. Do you want me to go but points th- percentage or point? Um. Well, you know what? All right, let's do let's do. Well, points Toronto. Percentage. If you
2: go by points, Toronto would be playing Tampa anyway. <laughs> Anyways, but Tampa's
1: played two less games. I'll do points percentage. Should be fair. So uh-huh. it would be Boston. Well, against my, Pittsburgh, Toronto against Washington, mm-hmm. Carolina and the Rangers in New Jersey Tampa. and Tampa Bay. I'd rather have those matchups than the ones that will get through the division. Well,
2: you, for sure. You just have the best matchups early instead of having them in the conference final. Cause you have some of these stacked, uh, stacked. We divisions. want to create
1: rivalries.
2: We're trying to create some rivalries
1: here. It's the most idiotic uh, playoff for me. Um, Head on down to the West or the, uh, the West. Let's sure. see what would be happening with the uh, with the Jets.
2: Um, so by points percentage now, they're in fourth. They're behind Vegas, Seattle, and Dallas. They'd
1: be playing L.A., who's pretty good. After that loss last night. So it would be Winnipeg, L.A., Kraken Wild, Vegas, Nashville, Dallas, Calgary. I'll say this. Yeah, I think that's going to be shaken up a little bit. Um, The Colorado Avalanche, we know the Avalanche are going to get in there. So who will be a team that gets bounced? Um, And I still think the Edmonton Oilers have to have a run in them. But man, if they miss the playoffs this year, after what they were able to do last year, that would be just an epic, epic organizational failure. Would probably cost Woodcroft his job. Um, and would really have some. I, you, you, you hate to think about this because obviously we've got friends in Edmonton and it's great having those players on Canadian teams. We get to see them so much. But if they regress to the point where they miss the playoffs this year with the expectations that they had, you wonder what that does to the future. Some of their top players wanting to stick around past their contracts.
2: Well, uh, I think the management has failed, has to put a uh, all around capable team. They've been talking about getting a defenseman for years. Um, uh, They've been talking about getting depth scoring for years. Look at the distribution, Hus of scoring on this team. Like, yeah, they lost Evander Kane, and that's a big loss. But hey, the Jets lost Ehlers, and and we're just fine, but
1: the, the Oilers have
2: like five guys a
1: night that play less than ten minutes. And like, look, David's bo- killing penalties. I mean they um their bottom six,
2: Huss. Like look at the goals from from the bottom six. It's um it's pretty bonk pretty bonkers here. I'll pull it up right now. Drysaitl, Nuge, McDavid here at the top, then Hyman, and then you got Barry, Nurse, Bouchard, and then Kane. Kane is still leading. Like every, he's played fourteen <laughs> games, he's leading every other guy in points. He's got thirteen points in fourteen games. There's Yamamoto, eleven thirty, McLeod, ten twenty nine, Derek Ryan. Club has actually been like decent. Yeah, so the RV, nine goals. and forty two, Yanmark. Man,
1: oh like- poor Jesse. you know he's such a popular guy a lot of people really like him but it's just not happening for him right now I think a change of scenery would do him wonders whether it's in the National Hockey League or potentially maybe even going back to Europe but I'd love to see him get another shot somewhere else um, before his NHL career is done Dylan Holloway is a guy that they thought they'd be getting a little bit more from he's got just five points on the season and uh, Warren Fogle, that Fogle contract not looking too good. Four goals, 29 games so far. Listen, it's going to be Connor and Leon doing it again, dragging them to the playoffs if they do it. But they're not in a good spot right now. And Jack Campbell's playing these next two games as Stewart Skinner goes and has a, uh, has a baby. So um, lots of pressure on Jack Campbell's been such a disappointment so far this season. Again, just to wrap the Cool Bet segment, okay. if you haven't played a Cool Bet before, Use the promo code WST when you uh, sign up and make your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Uh, Remo, what's going on tonight? Uh, no Jets. Uh, we've got one Jets day off before back-to-backs. So how will you be occupying yourself? Oh, I was going to watch watch the other games tonight. Uh, who
2: do we got here? Just put, doing uh putting my uh, bets in. So I'll watch this Edmonton-Anaheim late game. Or San Jose, LA. I, I like that like game. I watched a bit of sharks, sharks, and coyotes last night. Um, that the camera angle has at the coyotes arena is so bad, really hard to watch. I haven't
1: watched almost. I mean, why would anyone watch a coyotes game? To be honest, this year. Well, I, I, I might have had fans? like fantasy.
4: fantasy.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, sharks. Not exactly
2: moving the needle, but hey, got some players in fantasy. I don't. Know. I, I do like watching Eric Carlson. I like watching the Sharks' power play. One, uh, Timo Meyer is pretty good. So I've watched a lot of Sharks. that like West Coast games, but yeah, I think that's fair. Fair comment. The, the but the Coyotes' arena camera is terrible. It's hey, hard to uh, watch.
1: MC Stormy and Phyllis, thanks for uh, pumping up the chat to get on the likes. Yeah, if you haven't already, folks, please give us that thumbs up. We'd love to get to two hundred again. We've got a great streak going right now, and I knew it would be a little quieter today because people were bummed out from the game last night and maybe didn't want to talk about it. Hopefully they'll watch later on and hit that thumbs up. But uh, as always, make sure you're subscribed to the channel, hit that red subscribe button for the latest WST content in your feed. Anytime you pull up YouTube and uh, tell a friend about WST as well and how they can join us live on YouTube or just check the podcast at their convenience. Um, Huge thanks to everyone that joined us today. Great job by Remus. This is an awesome show. Kyle Walters, Marty Baron, Murata Tesh, Uh, We'll get ready for these next couple games. Scott Billick is on the road. He'll join us from Buffalo tomorrow. We'll get Brandon Rewicki's thoughts. Probably get a little bit more on the National Football League playoffs coming up this weekend. Oh, and for you Lock Shoppers, first golf picks of the year, head on over at Lock Shop Bets on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. If you're one of our first 1,000 subscribers, you'll be in the mix for a $1,000 giveaway that's burning a hole in Dusty's pocket. I'm going to try and get down to that hockey game tonight at the ice cave to see Brad Lambert. Hopefully Seattle Thunderbirds against uh, Zach and the Winnipeg Ice should be a great one tonight. Of course, tickets on sale. You can go to the Winnipeg Ice website if you haven't already to book yourself in for that. And uh, we move on tomorrow. Jets and Buffalo Sabres. Friday Jets and Pittsburgh Penguins. Just going to want to nip this one in the bud. Get back to their model their structure and get back to winning hockey games um but they'll have an ordinary buffalo team that's lost a couple this week at home awaiting for the winnipeg jets we'll break it all down tomorrow thanks again to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day folks have a great night and we'll see you tomorrow on wst
4: oh my god oh! Shut it! Down.